Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, he's manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Well, it's been so long since the last time I saw you all of 20 hours ago. Yeah, the last I saw you, you were uh, talking to your Uber driver, wondering where he or she was as I was getting into my lift and uh, really miraculously heading home to sleep in my own bed. Did you make it home? I assume you did. I assume that's where you're recording from now. I did make it home and we will like a good like, uh, you know, drama on television. We're starting at the end and now we're going to rewind and tell everybody how we got there and why you're asking those questions. But, but we can only oh, 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 I'm taking I'm taking this more by the horns. You don't even have to set up the setup. I'll just get it. We are, as always. Powered by. Doing your own thing. I like it. Yeah, I don't need to be shackled to the past of the way you've done it. I'm going to just bring a softer tone to it. And you know what else I like? I like riding around in sub-zero temperatures in a community car's car. Yeah, man. I mean, they hooked us up this time. They gave us a Lincoln to drive. It was unbelievable. It was a luxury car, the likes of which you and I will not buy because we don't want to spend <laughs> that kind of money on a car. But that's the great thing about them. Turns out all you have to do is on this podcast say you need butt warmers, and and that is an instant upgrade the butt warmers were not just a luxury on this trip. They were an absolute necessity. Even you used butt warmers on this trip. I thought you were going to say not only were they a necessity, not only are they a luxury, they also became the source for our like most consistent form of fighting throughout the entire weekend <laughs> as we tried to screw with each other by either turning on or off butt warmers and on or off butt coolers. I didn't even know butt coolers were a thing. That's great, but they they really were a horrible thing to feel kicking into your rear side when it's feeling like negative 30 outside. But that's a great thing about community cars. If you want to spend a little extra money, you got a little extra scratch, a little extra scrilla. Cheddar. Pounds. Squeegees. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Dough. You got some of that. You want to spend it. 
they'll take it and they'll give you a butt warmer. But if you don't feel like you need the butt warmer, if you're not too soft ass, you know, West Coast jagoffs and you can just deal with regular seats, they've got a car that's a little cheaper, a little more economical. They have a car for every level of budget that you may have. Call Community Cars. Do it now. Great time to get a car. They'll hook you up. And they were our savior, as always, in Bloomington. Let's talk. Let's get right into what the weekend was. As many of you know, Ward and I made our way to Bloomington, Indiana this weekend to see the men's basketball team play. Homer ain't got nothing on us. This was an epic odyssey, which we thought may or may not occur, particularly after the men's game Friday night. But we knew that part was going to happen. So we got we got up not too early. You like to get up earlier than I do, but we got ourselves to LAX at a reasonable hour. And it was a very uneventful, straightforward, direct flight from Los Angeles to Indianapolis. We picked up our community's car's car. We, we got in early. We got in 30 minutes early. It couldn't have been better. So pleasant. The car was there waiting for us. We drive to Bloomington. We get there earlier than expected. We're, we're hungry already. The good people at The Graduate welcome us as always. And then the good people at Zagreb's were so kind as to allow us to show up early for our reservation and start throwing down. Now, you could tell something was off a little bit, and, and it worried us a little because night before a game, Thursday night, Friday night game coming up, it felt like this would be a crowded time. It was as quiet as I remember seeing it in Zagreb. Still plenty of people in there, but there wasn't the usual din of noise that you get in Zagreb's, the buzz building for a game. It wasn't that. It was much more of a refined experience, I would say. Well, and I would say because it was already starting to get pretty cold, it was a Thursday night. Minnesota, not the sexiest opponent. We're like, okay, we're just going to ease into this weekend. And what we we covered the bases. You got the porterhouse. Well, let's let's do a. a uh, I'll say an item that we ate. You say an item that we ate. We'll just All go right. back and forth. I already did one. I went right to the main course with the porterhouse. You take it where you want to. All right, I'm going back to the beginning. Bread rolls, lots of them. Uh, shrimp cocktail, two of them meatballs salad and lamb and cheesecake and lemon cake by the yeah. way that really was the epiphany of that whole meal the fact that i'd never had that lemon cake before is a shame but the fact of the matter is i will never not have it again like that is now a part of the permanent menu going to zagreb's so lamb was for the table the community, if you will. Everybody knows I like to do a community item. I will say it was awesome. The lamb chops there are so good. They're not, I don't know what the difference is between those kinds of lamb chops and then like the popsicle type lamb chops, you know, that, that each have like a stick, a rib with them. Yeah, they're, I think they're from different parts of the beast because they're bigger. They're a bigger piece of meat. And they were awesome. The porterhouse was on point. And we thought it was going to be just like a calm, all right, dinner. Now let's go figure out what we're going to do next. We had some dessert. But then we were joined by a Hoosier legend. The one and only Angelo Pizzo was so kind to grace us with his presence. And you know, with Angelo, 
you know you're getting one of the most passionate, informed, opinionated Hoosier fans there is. And he sat right down. I was actually in the restroom when he arrived. And, you know, I arrived moments after him and we're already full bore in to talk about the team, the season, the players. And Angelo is not only a great storyteller, he he just he's so funny and original with his thoughts and insights on what's going on with the team. And the only thing I regretted about that conversation was that we didn't record it for this episode. He was on fire and not to get into details, but we got to talk about the one metaphor that he gave us where he was talking about how the team like, <laughs> like lures you in and you're like, okay, we're, we're on fire now. Like after Ohio state, this is it. We're good. And he likened it to being at a bar and and then of course the, let me go back. Then the team, you know, been a little inconsistent. So great game against Ohio State, and then not a great game next. And he likened that to being at a bar and seeing a really attractive woman, and that woman comes over to you, and you're thinking everything's going to be good. And then what does she do, Ward? She shits in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got to leave it to the writer to come up with a great way to twist something to put it in a new perspective and make you smile. So we got our dose of Angela Pizzo. And here's the truth. Now would be the time that we would go on the circuit and we would start walking around. But it was cold, although not crazy cold yet. But the bigger reason why there's really not a lot of reason to do the circuit with Ward anymore is because Ward has decided to give up nicotine. Yeah, you know, the only part about I uh, of that I really regret is not sharing cigars with you. It is I will I will never not miss that. Though we did take a stroll. We we had to take a stroll and pick up tickets. So we did sort of a uh a let's say not an abbreviated circuit. It really ended up being about as long as if we'd hit Kirkwood too. Um but it was just great to stretch our legs around Bloomington before calling it a night. And It also I have to say though that it was one of the times, I mean, every time we go to Bloomington, I realize how old I am. I mean, like, it's just, you see all the kids around and you realize they don't want to see you. You are much older than them. No, they don't see you. They just walk right by they, you as if you're a living ghost. Yeah, they put the hand up. They don't want to see the old people. But we were walking around after uh, the dinner and it was like 9.30, 9.45, and I just kept bemoaning the fact that no one was out, that it was dead. And I'm like, I don't think the cold bothered us when we were here. It's so like, why this is the should be popping off right now. And you, of course, reminded me, Eric, they're kids in college. They're not even thinking about going out yet. It's and sure party. enough, at the <laughs> tail end of that walk around 1030 or so, Kids start coming out, and I'm like, all right, I'm just too old, 1030. I just wanted to go in our hotel room and watch basketball. Yeah, no, it was mystifying to me until I looked down at my phone and realized it was 930, and I'd be like, oh, I'd be in the Lambda Kai house right now pouring a beam and Coke, thinking about taking a shower because we'd be needing to get out of the house in the next hour or two to hit the bars. But you and I, being the old people we are, we did go back to the hotel room. We did start watching what? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just. Oh, you're uh, getting enthusiastically following along. <laughs> yeah, we're the old couple settling in for an evening of basketball highlights, other sports highlights, and of course, we've already had a full meal and dessert. So, what else would there possibly be to do besides order baked? 
So we needed to get some cookies. So the first thing is I call them because even though they are directly across the street, basically from the graduate, they deliver. So I'm like, this is perfect. They'll deliver. We don't have to get out. It's too cold. And so I called them and Ward did not have his order ready. He wanted to think about the type of customized cookies he wanted to make. For me, I just wanted to put something in my mouth and belly didn't really matter. So we hang up with them and they tell us we can go on their website to order. No so problem. Ward, Ward goes on the website. He's in one bed. I'm in the other. And I'm just waiting for this process to come to its conclusion. And we don't seem to be getting any closer. But what we do seem to be getting is more and more agitated. That's what I see on Ward's face. Now, meanwhile, back in Los Angeles, I have a beautiful wife and a talented daughter working with technology to try to get my daughter's submission for a particular high school submitted online. So I'm sort of dealing with texts and even, even phone calls about how to edit it, upload it, all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, I'm going through the baked itemized menu which goes into several different tiers of dough, of initial toppings, of additional toppings. And it must number in, if not in the low thousands, in the high hundreds of options you have. And can you have too much of a good thing? I think when it comes to cookie ingredients in this case, it was really starting to stress me out. Yeah, so much so that after, I don't know, four hours of you perusing the website, you just said to me, I, I can't I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it. Forget it. I don't want cookies anymore. I'm done. And then you got up and left and you I went said, into I'm, the bathroom. I said I'm over it. I locked myself in the bathroom and called back home to try to help them figure out the tech issues. And I'm like, well, Ward, I'll just call. No, I'm over it. I'm over it. Don't want it. Keep in mind, we already had dessert. So that wasn't like a terrible move to make. No, see, hunger is not what is driving any of my food intake when we're in Bloomington. And it certainly wasn't driving the order from baked. But I called. I felt bad for Ward. I thought that he really did want baked and was frustrated. One of Ward's pet, not pet peeves, but um, I don't know what you would call it. Trigger points. Yes. My is technology. Tech just triggers the shit out of me. Yeah. When it doesn't work flawlessly. Ward uh, just turns into Mount Vesuvius. Well, and it's really it's it's hardly ever the text fault. If if that's really a surprise, sure. very surprising. Well, it's I mean, in it this can. case, in this case, I'm I do side with you. It's an awful interface. So I call them and I just order a bunch of cookies. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Put a marshmallow on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oatmeal and throw in some peanut M&Ms. I don't know. I'm just throwing an assortment together and they tell me no problem. We got it going. Maybe it'll take an hour. I'm like an hour. We're right across the street. They're like, it'll be less than an hour. Okay. Ward comes out. I, from the bathroom, I tell him we ordered, I ordered the cookies. We're, we're going to get cookies. I don't know if you're going to like them, but cookies are, cal are happening. And, and you ordered me milk. Cause you know, I have to have milk and or ice cream with my cookies. Yeah. So I got some milk and then it had been about 50 minutes, 5-0. And I called them and I said, hey, place the order from the Graduate Hotel. Oh, she's like, yeah, 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 it's it's no problem. It's uh, it's it's getting ready to go. It's uh, it's out. The order's ready and uh, we'll have it to you in 45 minutes. What? 
<laughs> so the total order time will be an hour and 35 minutes. That doesn't seem right. That's also a lot longer than the less than the hour that you told me. And she goes, I don't know what to tell you. We only got one person. And I said, listen, I don't mean to be a dick, but we are, if you just pop your head out of the store, you can see where we are. Could somebody just walk them over? <laughs> She's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to just put on my clothes again because I'm naked at this point. And oh, uh, that's how Warden and I watch highlights. Yep. No covers. <laughs> and I put on my clothes. I'm going to go be the hero and I'm going to go get it. Now, there was one thing I wanted to discuss with the baked people on my way there, which was on the baked menu. I just wanted like I wanted a base of a chocolate chip cookie and maybe I'd throw like a marshmallow on top of it. But chocolate chips were not an option in the, as Ward said, thousand choices that you had. Chocolate chips were nowhere to be found. You could actually get as a topping asbestos, but no <laughs> chocolate chips. No chocolate chips. So I go and I say, hey, I'm here to pick up the order for Eric. Oh, she goes, okay. And I see her going to the fridge. And I, and I saw some cookies already made in the thing and they look better than what I ordered. So I'm like, can I get two of those? And she hands me those and she hands me the milk. And I go, well, what about the rest of the cookies? She says, what do you mean? I'm like, the order that I placed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she scrambles back. She comes back and I said, one more thing. I'm like, uh, not Columbo. Yeah. Kojak? No, Columbo's the one who he's like leaving. Peter Falk, they, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Excuse me, Mrs. Baked, but chocolate chips are not available on the list of items that you give on the website. She goes, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And I'm like, listen, I looked at that thing up and down and I couldn't find chocolate chips. And by the way, chocolate chips should be like the first thing listed. I mean, it's got to be the most popular item to put in cookies yes. in the world. Yes. And she, I'm like, it's not there. She goes, no, no, it's there. It's right at the top. And I, now, now she's calling me out. So I bring up the website and I look at the list of items and I go here, here is the list. The, the first thing listed is Oreos and, and I'm about to list the next one. She goes, yeah, 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 that's it. I go, what do you mean? That's it. She goes, Oreos, chocolate chips, same thing. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they are not. She goes, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Oreos. When you put Oreos, you get chocolate chips. What? <laughs> In what world? are Oreo cookies, chocolate chips. They, they, they are as far apart as two items based in chocolate could be. Well, and this is where you maybe take a step back and you realize you're in an establishment in the middle of the night called Baked that's catering <laughs> to people who are super high and in all likelihood created by and run by people who are super high. So do they... Is there a common parlance in Bloomington that people who want chocolate chip cookies are going on the website and ordering Oreo cookies? Because if so, something needs to change in Bloomington. It's it's like the secret menu at Baked instead of like animal style at In-N-Out. Yes. Like you, if you want chocolate chips, you have to tell them that you want Oreo. Right. And if you want peanut butter, you have to ask for jelly. Like, I mean, it's just so stupid. So I come, I'm balancing two boxes of cookies 
two, by the way, the milk, I thought it was going to be in like the old school, like school container. No, it was two kids cups that looked like they are four, like eight year olds (laughs) with like cartoons on them, which was on point for who you were bringing it back for. And I successfully navigate the the walk back. We go to town on some cookies and then we drift off to sleep because Friday morning we have a big day. And of course, Friday is game day. It starts off where we have to dash to our new friends at Alumni Hall right there on Kirkwood, just a block down from the graduate and get some swag. They've sort of said, hey, come on by the store. You can pick out an item. So it's a it's it's almost like the baked menu. You go in there and there's so much good stuff. You're like, how are we going to pick out one thing? But pretty quickly, we zeroed in on a couple of sweet, sweet cardigans that I did have to clarify and make sure they were for men and that they weren't women's. Although controversy there because i was told by several people once we wore them i'm pretty sure those are for women the only person who said that in my presence was evan and it was (laughs) clearly just to get our goat so (laughs) so we get the cardigans because you know okay this is great uh but what should we do we'll make a little spot for the good people at alumni hall since they hooked us up with these beautiful cardigans we shoot that you can see although it is funny it is funny because the first thing the guy said was we, you know, if you want to post something, that'd be great. We'd love to give you a T-shirt, which is awesome. Like getting a T-shirt is like the best, like swag. We'll take it. And I'm looking around. The T-shirts are nice. But then I start looking at hoodies and Ward's like, Eric, I don't think hoodies are part of the uh, the give here. And so we just called the guy out. We're like, hey, hoodies, like are we allowed to do hoodies. And he gave us an answer that you would give when you don't want to disappoint the people that are in front of your face right now who are crazy people being us yeah but you're definitely not supposed to give us anything more than a 19 dollars t-shirt well it, it wasn't clearly the instructions he had i doubt they for, forbade him to give us something nicer more expensive but he's kind of thinking better to ask for forgiveness than permission i'm just gonna let these guys pick out one of whatever they want So we picked out two of the most expensive items in the store and they were great. I don't need to describe a cardigan, but obviously an open neck that comes to the buttons at about your midsection, leaving a whole canvas of let's call it sternum that you have to think about if you're Ward Roberts, what is going to be shown? I didn't care. I just thought I'm going to throw on a t-shirt underneath it. Ward, though, made it his mission for the day that we have to find something to wear under it if we're going to wear these matching cardigans for the game. But we were under the gun time-wise. We had a very, very, very cool interview to do that will be heard probably next week. I think that's the plan. Um, And so I was like, we can't rush this decision. We grab our cardigans, we shoot the little spot, and we head on down to the Tardy Center by Bill Armstrong Stadium because Eric, who... Did we get to interview? This is so cool. I mean, we look, this podcast started with us wanting to interview former players. That's where it evolved pretty quickly to from the basketball program. And then that expanded, of course, to coaches and current players and future players. And then that expanded to football and women's basketball swimming. Lily King has been on the show. Um, But the the core is like the legends that make up IU athletics. And if you are talking legends at IU athletics, if you're doing the Mount Rushmore, obviously Bob Knight is on the, the mountainscape, but so is 
Jerry Yeagley. Jerry Yeagley is the greatest soccer coach in the history of the sport. And his success at Indiana is unparalleled by anyone. And the story of how it came to be is even better. So we went to the Tardy Center. We couldn't find how to park there because we're idiots. Boy, we first we first started off by going into a Catholic church. Now, we didn't get out of the car and enter the Catholic church, but that's where we were trying to park. Then we're like, no, 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 go around the other way. I said confidently to Eric, no, not don't go up there. Go up there. And at this point, we got a nice cold rain coming down, too. So we get up there and we park where else? At the track and field center. But we know we can see the Tardy Center, so there's got to be some way to walk to that. And we did. We found how to kind of cut our way through and finally get ourselves into the greatest soccer program in the country where you are greeted by a trophy case laden with eight national championship trophies. That's when you know you've walked into the correct building. Now, I do want to say this was part two, or I should say... um take two of the podcast interview with Jerry Yeagley because we tried this a few weeks ago and we were having nothing but tech issues. So we kind of brazenly suggested to coach Yeagley, Hey, we'll probably be in Indiana soon. What about doing it in person? Which is a lot to ask of anyone to spend time in person with us. One of the reasons we're able to get these interviews is because people can just close the computer and not have to deal with us at all after. (laughs) But Coach Yeagley couldn't have been more gracious. And he said, sure, let me know. So we arranged to meet him at the Tardy Center. We go into like their um, lounge that they have on the second floor, beautiful offices for, you know, I mean, Indiana has, and thank God to Tardy and the Tardy family and everybody that um well i don't know if the tardy family the ward family the ward family was involved we saw their names on the wall a lot of families including the ward family kicked in for that beautiful beautiful facility including the foul family who we've gotten to know and love the fouls so we went up and we're waiting we're setting up shout out to jeremy gray shout out to galen clavio for helping us out at the media school because we did not have proper equipment uh shout out to andrew who hooked it up and and really brought over all the equipment and made it happen. So it was awesome. Although I do realize now that no one has sent us the links. Oh, okay. Tell them, tell them we are planning on that being next week's show. Yeah, We would like to have the material that we did. So obviously we won't get into the discussion we had with coach because you'll have to listen for that. But suffice to say it was two of the most fun, fascinating, inspiring hours we've spent with any individual. It is very clear after listening to this man speak, and he's 85 now. And, you know, I I think he could run out onto that field and coach him up like nobody's business um, tomorrow if he needed to. But just to be in the presence of greatness, greatness that is so humble, that is so sharp, that is so inspirational was worth the trip to Bloomington by itself. And for the most part, we did not embarrass ourselves, which is always a win for us, Mm -hmm. but we tried because after the interview was over, we're leaving and we thought, let's shoot the outro for the interview. So we go back downstairs in front of the trophy case. So we have it on video as well. 
and we're talking about how great it was and it was wonderful. And then Ward starts to talk about his eyes and how just <laughs> how looking into his eyes was just mesmerizing and yeah. and 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 you connected with him and while talking about his eyes in the most loving dare i say romantic terms jerry yagley walks right by <laughs> us <laughs> so we just we stumbled and bumbled our way through it we got so close to walking out there feeling good about ourselves um but then, then you know, of course, he's gracious and funny and cool. And we walk out of the building together. He, of course, has an umbrella. Yes. He's prepared because it's coming down now. And I was waiting for him to offer. Why don't you guys just walk with me under my umbrella? He didn't offer that. He did not offer that. <laughs> and, so we sprinted. And, of course, he was parked right by the doors, right where anybody would. There wasn't a lot of other cars there. We could have been very close to where he was parked, but we had to leave the entire soccer complex and go next door into the parking lot for the track and field complex. We did ask him, by the way, is Todd here, the the current coach, national champion winning coach, one of the best coaches in the game? And he said, no, he's not. He's on a recruiting visit right now at, at IU, but there's a big recruit in town. It uh, it's actually a a transfer. Uh, we don't need to get into specifics, candidate, but a big time recruit. So, little disappointed that we didn't get to see Todd, but whatever. We then rushed over to Buffaloes because, as you do, meet with your sponsors: Evan Martin, John Barada from IU Ventures, Evan Martin from Community Cars. Thought we would have a little sponsor lunch. If you told me, hey, Ward, when you're 45, you're going to be doing this podcast. I'd be like, what's the podcast? Never mind about that. But you're going to have to have a lunch with your sponsors. I'd be like, gee, that sounds really adult and maybe kind of like a pain in the ass and or boring. But when it's Evan and John, it's just a good time. It's meeting up with old buddies and for the most part, talking about IU sports. I, I was going to say, when you meet with John and, and Evan and it's us, turns out it's not professional and also... Oh, fuck. I missed the joke. <laughs> it happens, buddy. It happens. What did you say? Adult. Oh, yeah. I was adult. It was neither professional nor adult because we're idiots. <laughs> yeah. So we go to Buffaloes. I called an audible for the first time ever at Buffaloes. I didn't order wings. I got a burger because I've been told the burgers are great. And I wasn't feeling chicken wings on that mo at that moment. And I am so glad I did. The burgers at Buffaloes are on point. I had no regret getting the wings that I got. The regret was that I didn't also order a burger when I saw you and John. When they when they came out and they set them down, I was like, damn, I, I missed out on that. So I look forward to our next trip back where I can redeem myself in the ordering department. We walk up to order our food. And from the top, somebody sticks his head down. And it's our good friend, Dennis Mockler from... Who's your happiness? Who, who we have worked with in the past. He's a great friend. He and his lovely wife were there enjoying a meal. Who's your happiness is the, if you're not going to stay at a hotel, if you want a, a more of a homey environment, if you want a more space, if you're going to spend more time somewhere, who's your happiness? He has two townhomes that are all Hoosier related, Hoosier themed. They are so awesome. We got to tour one, Ward got in the bathtub and the bed, uh, both comfortable. And uh, just just you can find it on, I think, Airbnb. You can go to Facebook. There's Hoosier Happiness. Um, Hoosier Happiness is on Twitter. It's a great place to stay if you're lucky enough to get it. They sell out all the time. We got to talk to them. 
And then we were told, guess what? There's a VIP here. We're like, oh, who's the VIP? And up in the, what do you call that? I call it the suite, the luxury box. I call it the crow's nest. The crow's nest up at uh, Buffalo's. Todd Yeagley is there with some staff and the recruit. And I'm like, well, this is just destiny. This is clearly meant to be. Turns out Todd, every bit as cool as his father. God damn, so cool. Shook our hands, introduced him to us. He was with some staff that obviously had seen us make fools of ourselves on videos before. So they were laughing before we even met them. <laughs> and, and we see the recruit. We won't get into that conversation. We let them do their thing with a little help. But we let them do their thing. And let's just say, I hope we hear some good news in the coming weeks about a big-time transfer potential coming to Indiana. I'm interested in that recruitment. Oh, I like that. Very nice. Finish our lunch. Uh, things are going late. The conversation was great. Great stories. We'll have more on IU Ventures coming up, including their um, funders and founders weekend conference in Bloomington that we will be attending and doing a podcast from. It is just going to be an incredible weekend to network with people. If you're an entrepreneur, if you are interested in investing, if you just want to build up your IU entrepreneurial connections and business connections. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be there. It's in May. More details to come and registering. And by the way, the registration for the weekend of events is a hundred bucks. I mean, to get the access, to get the food, it is, um, it's just going to be really fun and interesting. And I look forward to seeing some people we know. Uh, there's going to be a special guest or two and meeting a bunch of new people who are clearly very motivated at getting shit done with other people from Indiana University. So it's just before five o'clock and we had a date at Nick's because a, one of our favorite coaches in the history of the world, Coach Steve Aird of the volleyball team, tells us, hey, me and the family are going to Nick's pregame, join us. We're like, all right, listen, there's a lot going on, but we're not going to miss an opportunity to hang with Coach Aird. But just to make things a little more stressful, we still haven't figured out what goes with our cardigan. So we're like, okay, let's go to the union. Check out two floors worth of swag at the union. Mm, nothing quite works. Okay, can we well, do well? Nothing quite works for Ward, right? Because I have good fashion sense. So sure, yeah. So okay, what about TIS? We always hit the Indiana store, as we uh, know TIS stands for. We just learned that last trip. Uh, so we go <laughs> to the Indiana store. Uh, make a quick round. Nothing quite's working here either. Okay, we got to go back to Alumni Hall. That place had everything uh, we're going through. And really what I want to find is like a good, comfy, soft T-shirt that doesn't have something in the sternum area. I just want something white or black, maybe even gray, that's just not going to distract from the cardigan. Because the cardigan itself is a lot. But it's just really not a thing right now for T-shirts to just have a little trident over on the left-hand side of the chest. So we're getting desperate. And that's when you... Eric Penkowski, my friend, who I am I'm happy to say you came through with an inspired choice to come through on the card again. And it took me a minute. You, you had to convince me. But once you started showing me the look, I was like, damn it. I think Eric's really got something here. What'd you find? I found a button down collared plaid shirt that in my mind immediately spoke to, if you see old school movies, video of 
film of people wearing cardigans. Many of them have the button down and then a tie. Well, we didn't have any hopes or dreams of the tie, but the button down we thought worked. Ward tried it on. It looked great. I tried it on. It did not look great because the collar was meant for somebody who was 400 pounds. But my, I have, I have the body of a 400 pounder, but the neck of a pencil neck geek. So it, <laughs> there was just so much material. We needed ties. Hey, excuse me, Samuel at, at the, at the alumni hall, you don't happen to have ties. Do you? Uh, yes, we do. Come to our tie section. Ward says bow tie would be better. I'm like, Ward, we just got to get a tie. They're not going to have Indiana bow ties. But I had this perfect bow tie that I had left at home. I'd actually looked at it, and I was like, well, I have no use for that bow tie. I'm not going to pack it and take it with me. So we go over, we look at the neckties. That one might work. That one's a little too busy. But wait, what's that underneath the neckties? A selection of bow ties. Including, like four bow ties. Including the exact one I'd left at home, which would have been perfect. And you know what? Damn it. I'm going to buy a second one. Eric's going to buy his first. And et voila, we got an ensemble. Put it on. Cut the tags off while wearing it in the store. Paid for it. We had we had exceeded our uh, giveaway limit. Our so credit. Put, got, a, got the outfits on. Rushed over to Nick's because we got to go to Nick's to meet Coach Aaron and his family. They tell us they're packed. They can't let us in. We're like, what about upstairs? You can probably get into upstairs, not upstairs pub, the upstairs part of Nick's. We go there. We're waiting for Coach Aaron. I don't see him. All right, let's sit down. Ward wrestles up a non-alcoholic Heineken. I, of course, get a lemonade. And, you know, like two badasses do. We, re we really are tough. And it had been about 40 minutes since I had eaten anything. So I got a large order of fries. I go, I'll have a large fry. Ward says, I'm not going to eat any. The lady says to me, do you just want like a side order? I go, no, give me the large. <laughs> she brings the large. I just crush. I, honestly, I left seven fries to make myself feel better. But I <laughs> ate a bucket of fries. And then get a text from Coach Aaron. Nah, it was too crowded. We went to Upstairs Pub and said, see you later. What? The only reason we're here is because of you. So we leave Nick's, we get in the car, we head over to Assembly Hall for one of the two main events of this weekend odyssey, the Indiana men's basketball team playing Minnesota. You know, we in part scheduled this trip, not just because it was really the only weekend we both could make it to a home game. Yeah. Um, but also because we're like, you know, this team's been really up and down. We feel like we have a pretty good shot at winning this one. Let's do that. But, you know, it's the Big Ten. It's this team this season. Nothing's a, a for sure thing. Never has been since we started this podcast. Really, you never go into a Big Ten game at Assembly Hall as us in this era and be like, yeah, we got this. We're going to run away with this one. But we're hopeful. We're optimistic. We get in there. We see so many wonderful people like uh, Rabbi was there. You know, it's it's a reunion. It's the reunion we get to come back to a couple times a year and see all our favorite Hoosiers. And just to be surrounded by that many Hoosiers, it's just the best. The energy is the best. But you could tell, I think people were pensive when the game started. And then Trey Galloway hits a three to start us off. And it just felt like, oh boy, here we go. And outside of the one little run that Minnesota went on when we were up, we I think we were up 25 to eight. And I do yeah. think that they cut it to five. 
but we were in control that entire game. Trey Galloway had an unbelievable game. We don't need to break down the game, but Trey Galloway was incredible. Khalil was a rebounding machine and played great. McKenzie and Baco filled up the scoring uh, statistics. Uh, well, and no. to see and to see the two man game up close with Malik and Khalil, and there was, I mean, honestly, we were very fortunate to get those seats that we did. We've gotten to get a few times. It's just, it's such an honor and a privilege. And one, first of all, when we we took the court, and Minnesota did, we we're like, oh, we are big. Either they are yeah. little, or we are big, or it might be both. But we are definitely bigger than these dudes. And I don't ever remember seeing an Indiana game in person, certainly in a Big Ten game, where we were just clearly the larger team across the board. Except that- for one guy on Minnesota that looked like a professional wrestler. I mean, he <laughs> he was the, the largest man, uh, the most built mass of humanity that I've ever seen on a basketball court. He was a bodybuilder. Imagine never got off the bench. Yeah. Imagine if Thor was seven feet tall. Yes, that's right. He was a seven foot Thor. That's what he was. Scary. Um, but to to then see what had to be six or seven alley oops up close and personal from our boys, it was so fun. And there have been, I would dare venture, most of the games, almost all of the games this year, win or lose, have not exactly been fun. They've all been stressful and nail biters and hair pullers. But to your point, we did feel in control for most of this one. And when you added the high flying acrobatics of, you know, Trey on one, you know, Malik, Khalil, just, just flying high above the rim and slamming it down with some three pointers to go along with it. There was one play right in front of us where it was like Khalil kicked it out to Trey. I think Gabe had brought it down and then it went across the court. And I think Mac hit the three pointer and it was like firing on all cylinders. And I was like, oh my God, I am having fun watching Indiana basketball and the way it is playing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to bring up the one negative that I brought up during the game, but I think that our fans and listeners should hear this. Look, Xavier Johnson has been like the most talked about topic, I think, of Indiana basketball this season. We have gotten to know Xavier a little bit over the last three years, and we genuinely like him. I really like Xavier. Uh, We did a fun thing with him in Pizza X his first year. Uh, Obviously, if it weren't for his play, we don't make the tournament in Woody's first year. Um, That the play that he the last third of that year was all American level point guard. He's been my coach in back-to-back fantasy camps, and in one of those, he lent me the shoes off his feet. So, so X, I, I have a very strong personal affinity for X. And when that thing happened, where he, you know, went to Moon River on the guy and and went right through right right through the crotch all the way to the butthole, uh, in in the the game prior that sent everybody into a tizzy, like I think Ward and I are of the same mind. I didn't want him to get it suspended. Like I, I was like, he got punished. He got kicked out of the game. That was like, it. That's now, your punishment. I understand the people that say he should because of the history of things that he has made poor decisions on. I get it. But I, I was like, I, I will say this. I'm going to just say this. I had a conversation with Michael Lewis about it and, and said, what do you think about that? And Michael says, listen, man, I'm beloved for firing a basketball off of a guy from Iowa's face where I was trying to break his face. And people love me for it. So, no, I don't think the kid should be suspended. So I, I just put think, it in perspective for me. Yeah, 
and and that was my personal feeling too but i fully understand the people that like the speeding incident with the police the suspension at northwestern you know the other time he got somebody in the uh in the family jewels ganoids i i get that side of it too and i think it's my personal bias for him that's like you know he got kicked out of the game it was an important game let let bygones be bygones i was happy that he didn't start but not because of that but because it's too inconsistent it's too you you just don't know what you're going to get and so i was happy that we were going to like a more consistent hopefully take care of the ball you know how i feel about turnovers i just think it's by several orders of magnitude, I think it's the most important statistic. I do. I think it's more important than missed three-pointers. I think it's more important than free throws. Rebounds. I do. I think it's the most important. I would bet there's more of a correlation between turnover margin and wins and losses than there is any other statistic. We need I haven't I- done the analysis on that. But we need IU and Philly to break that down yeah. for us. But that said, where we were lucky enough to be sitting, we were directly across from the bench. So on TV, you get what they show you on TV, but we got to see how these players interact with each other the entire game. And Xavier's body language from before the game started till the end of the game was horse shit. And I would tell him that he didn't look invested. He didn't look like he was part of the team. You know, there's little things like when somebody comes out of the game, Everybody on the bench stands up and does high fives. Xavier didn't several times. He got taken out of the game in the second half and he threw his thing down and that got on TV. I know people saw that. But then he just pouted on the bench and looked straight down and wasn't even supporting his teammates. At the beginning of the game when he wasn't playing and we were hitting shots, his enthusiasm was tepid. It's like, you're the leader. You the, People do look to X on this team to be the leader. Leading doesn't mean you lead when things are going well for you. You got to lead all the time. And I would argue it's more important to lead when things aren't going well for you personally, because you can still bring something to the team. And that was really disappointing to see. That said, I agree with you. It was the most fun I've had watching Indiana basketball this year. Um, Really fun. We never want to leave assembly hall when the game is over. So we stayed as long as we could till they were literally kicking us out. Yep, yep. It happens every time. Even at one point, we were like, okay, we'll leave, we'll leave. We walk to the end of the court. We keep going with a certain conversation, realize we walk to the wrong side of the court. So now we got to make our way back to the other end of the court, which just timed out that we saw Rabbi and Trevor and Jared Kelly. And we got to, um, well, we didn't crash their shoot for the pig shoot. We you actually, forced our way in. We forced our way in. We actually made them set it back up and do another intro so we could do a bit. And then we had to get dinner because now I'm hungry. Sure. Where are you going to go after Indiana wins? You're going to go to Mother Bears. You're going to go to Mother Bears. To go. It's the only place to go. So we head over to Mother Bears and we are joined at Mother Bears by the goat, Calbert Cheney. Well, it starts off, we're meeting Calbert there. We're like, okay, we can't be in one of those like booths where it gets pretty crowded because Calbert's every bit of six seven. We don't want his legs cramped, so we do say to the hostess, you know, hey, we we've got we've got a very tall gentleman who's going to be joining us. Could we get at one of these tables? And then you know, it's me and Eric are going to have dinner with Calbert, and and so we go over to the table, just me and Eric. And Eric's like, well, you know, I'm going to sit here, so I I go to sit next to Eric, and he's like, no, sit over there across from me. 
Like, I don't want to be looking at you. We both want to be looking at Calbert. And he's like, no, you can't sit next to me. What will people think if the two, what will Calbert think if the two of us are sitting next to each other when he walks up in our cardigans? And bow ties. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're just sitting next to each other for like 20 minutes waiting for Calbert to come. No, don't do that. That's not going to happen. So we're, we're, we're in the middle of this argument when Calbert walks up in the middle of our debate, at which point I spring to my feet. I sit next to Eric. Calbert makes his way around to the other side of the table. So that's it. Oh, this is the perfect end of a great night. It's just going to be a nice pizza shooting the shit with Calbert. What could possibly go wrong? We put the orders in. It's been about 15 minutes starting to get a little bit like I'm clearly invested in every word Calbert's saying, but also where's my food? And at that moment where it seemed like the food should probably get here soon, what happens, Ward? The power goes out in the entire restaurant. Every light goes out. And there is that moment of like subtle panic by everybody in the place. And just as people were trying to process that, lights come back on. Great. Oh, thank we're good God. Now. We're good. That now. was going to get awkward. And then seconds later, lights go out again oh no is this going to be the real one but moments later bing 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 lights back on okay we're okay did not want to get our pizza and our dinner with calbert interrupted until all of a sudden the lights go back out and this time they stay out now this is a completely full after game restaurant and people are like that's it i'm out of here some people start getting up to leave it as the chaos starts to kind of build our server comes through sort of like oh my oh my god what's happening she's like uh, um okay i'm trying to find one of my managers and then she runs off again We're like what's happening and it I'm felt wondering- like the moments after an apocalyptic moment in a movie that's what it felt like after the zombie apocalypse people start freaking out And that's what it felt like to me was bubbling up. And we are sitting across from Calbert, not being able to see anything. It's so dark. And then there's like a burst of light in the distance. Somebody puts an iPhone light on. The servers are coming around. They're telling us, we need your card. We only have five minutes left of the computer. we got to run your card in these five minutes. What? What is the computer running on some fuel-generated backup system? And it's (laughs) running out? What's going on? And then she comes up to us and says, good news. I think your three pizzas were the last pizzas out of the oven. We'll just get them for you. You want them to go? Well, and no. Ward and I, of course, didn't even need to check with each other. Because it's it, if it's to go, if you give us our pizzas to go, that means we're going to get our pizzas and go, and Calbert's going to get his pizza and go, and we're going to go in different directions to different places, and we're not going to get to have pizza with Calbert. So without even asking Calbert, we're just like, no, no, no. We'll continue here. We're good in the dark. So they bring the pizzas. Now, here's the other. This is how dark it was. Ward and I have to eat separate pizzas because I follow some kosher rules that are ridiculous. But Ward gets meat on his pizza. I can't get meat on my pizza. But we got similar pizzas. They delivered the pizzas. It was so dark. I couldn't tell which one was which. I thought I was eating pork, to be honest with you, for the first time ever in my life. It was so dark. I couldn't tell what I was eating. Luckily, I chose wisely. and. 
Then someone just comes with a portable, small, battery-powered lantern and put it right behind Calvert. And we continued on our conversation like nothing happened. Truly, even though at this point, once we're chopping on the pizza, it's it's a a, a, a lantern-lit meal with Romantic. Calvert. Romantic. Yeah, really, it was. The, the conversation wasn't romantic. We were mo- no. mostly talking ball, but the the ambiance was. The only other really sounds in the restaurant are those of the servers and managers trying to figure out how to save the food from getting ruined if the power doesn't come back on until tomorrow. Before the lights went off, by the way, I do want to just say how great of a guy Calvert is. A woman came up to our table freaking out, like almost hyperventilating. She was around our age. And she was like, I rounded the corner and I saw, oh my God, it's Calbert. She was from Evansville. Calbert just took her in and had this amazing conversation where they were busting each other's chops or he was busting her chops about the school she went to. I think she went to Evansville Rights, I think. Rice. And, rice? Uh, right? Is I don't know how to pronounce it. R-E-I-T-Z, right? It's it sounded like rice rice to me, but oh, I think it's R-E-I-T-Z, but I don't know. Uh one of one of those. And he just was so magnanimous with her, took pictures. Her husband came up. It was just wonderful to see how much Calbert knows his place in the history of IU and in the hearts of fans and takes his time to let them have their moment. And this happens to him all the time. He didn't have to deal with this when he was in the NBA. You know, but he is dealing with it in Bloomington, and he is so gracious. He is just the goat on many levels. So we obviously never want this meal to end, but eventually we do finish our pizzas. We're we the only like, people there. We're yeah, the only people there. By by at least a half an hour, and we feel like, mm, you know, maybe we shouldn't order dessert. <laughs> maybe we should go ahead and wrap this up. So we do uh, just really – the perfect end to a perfect evening. And look, okay, maybe you'd say, oh, if the lights had been on or maybe the heat had kept going, it would have been better. No, no, no. It would not have been a better story. It would not have been better content. So that was the perfect way to go out with Calbert. Uh, bless that man and all the work he's doing for the program, the love he has for the program, for Coach Woodson and the other guys on the staff, the fan base. That dude is 100% all Hoosier all the time. He is what we all should aspire to be in terms of a selfless love for this program. And you said he is devoted to Woody. I mean, that's he loves Indiana, and he loves Mike Woodson. That's why he's there. I'm not sure he would have left his NBA job if another coach asked him to, but he has a real tie emotionally to Woody, and I, just it's phenomenal. Clearly, Woody was there for him as a player at IU, and once he got to the NBA, and virtually ever since. And that says something about Woody and his investment in these young men coming through Indiana University. But we still had to go get more food. So what's open for dessert at that late at an hour on a Friday night? The one and only Super Subs. Culver's, we had to get ourselves some mixers because we we, we didn't want to get dessert at, at Mother Bear's, as we mentioned. That wouldn't have been cool for them. And frankly, I I would say now the lemon cake at Zagreb's is up there, but the mix-ins, the cement mixers at Culver's are as good of a dessert as you're going to find in Bloomington, Indiana. So we just house, you know, a gallon of mix-ins and mixers and whatever you call it. It's just so good. It's so yummy. 
and then uh, feeling really bad about ourselves, head back to the graduate, get a night's sleep because part B, the co-main event is the next day, which is a drive to Iowa City to see the Indiana women's basketball team take on the Caitlin Clarks. Yes, that's what I'm going to call them because no one else cares about anything except for her. Everybody, the media, everything, it's all obnoxious. Now, several times throughout the trip, we told people we were going to Iowa. Maybe like a dozen people, and the reaction was always the same. Don't do it. Ooh. You're not going to go. Ooh. E, I don't nah. know, guys. That, not smart. Make not sure smart. you see what the roads are like before you do that. You probably just want to stay here. It's not good. Don't do it. So we wake up early in the morning. Well, uh, just a final note on that. Every time they said don't do it, we were like, okay, now now we have to. Yeah. yeah now just, we really just have to. Us. Okay, now we're definitely going to. So wake up in the morning, go have breakfast with Evan and his lovely wife, Angela, at Runcible Spoon. Love Runcible Spoon. Great breakfast. It was the only place open at 8. It's hilarious to me that, like, Uptown Cafe doesn't open until 9 on a Saturday morning in Bloomington. Like, everybody's on college sleeping time. So we grab breakfast, get in the car, head to Indianapolis where we have to drop off the car that Community Cars gave us so we can rent a new car to drive the 360 miles to Iowa City. Turns out Evan loves us, doesn't love us enough to let the Palisade, let us take the Palisade to Iowa City and leave it there. <laughs> it wasn't a Palisade. Wait, what was we it? We got in a Palisade. Wait, Evan gave the, us a Lincoln. What, what kind of Lincoln was it? I think it was called a Lincoln Nautilus. Okay, well, the Nautilus was much nicer than the Palisade then. Uh, yes, it was an amazing car. So we get the Hyundai Palisade. We get we leave at 9.30. We get to Indianapolis at 10.30. It was a little wonky. It was cold. There was snow coming down, but it seemed okay. And then we head out into the wilderness, the wilderness of Illinois, which is a shithole of a state to drive through. It's like you think it's going to be at least the shithole is covered over with a beautiful blanket of snow. The stink is smothered. But even in those conditions, in those lovely white conditions, because the roads were fine, there was no real snow coming down through most of Illinois. But you're like, nope, this place still sucks, especially Champaign. Totally sucks. We even thought about stopping in Champagne to take a drop of deuce just to say we did it, but we decided not to because we didn't even want to give them the 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 uh, the glory of having a Hoosier presence in Champagne. I didn't want to breathe the air. Yeah, fair enough. So we continue to drive. It's actually going very well. It's so smooth. Ward takes a nap. Oh, it was it was needed because you know. I need my sleep, but yeah. I uh, I really wanted to see Evan and Angela, so I I needed to make up for that. And you, being the just, you really did a nice job driving. You know, as we get into a little further into this trip, it became even more apparent that you were going to need to bring all your skill to bear to get us through this. But I, you'd really earned my trust after about forty road trips together, and I was like, I'm going to shut this down and let Eric do it. Really, everything was fine until I looked down and realized we need gas. <laughs> and snow started to pick up. The street, the, the highway was getting a little bit icy and more coverage of snow. The wind was insane and blowing the car. So we pulled off on the, on the 
the next truck stop, rest stop we could find with a gas station, everything covered in snow. That was difficult. Fishtailed a little bit on the way to the gas station. That got a little scary. Well, and, the, and the snow piles were so high, we couldn't even really tell where the entrance and exits were to access the gas station. And then and then when we do get out, and you got to pee real bad, so I'm like, I'll pump the gas, you go inside. And that's where we're like, okay, now we're in like sub-zero temperatures for the first time in in that I can remember being any, I know growing up, I was in sub-zero temperatures, but I cannot remember the last time I was. And as I'm filling up with gas, the only thing my body and brain can do to make sense of the cold is to tar- start talking to myself with an accent like I'm in the movie Fargo. Like, yeah, oh yeah, really, really, oh yeah, it's pretty cold there. Yep, it's pretty fucking cold. Yep. Oh, and I thought it was funny when he did it the first time and then he continued it as we went and got food from the gas station, got back in the car, continued in the car. It went on an excessive amount of time. Oh yeah. It was really annoying. Oh, it's, oh yeah. Going you back know, there, it. it was just real cold there, you know, and you had to kind of do what you had to do to survive and make sense of it. You know, when we crossed the bridge for the, the river, the Mississippi river and into Iowa, it was like everything got bad. This it is got where darker. <laughs> this is where all those warnings we got started to kind of hit home. Well, this is where the name of the show comes from because right after going into Iowa, we start seeing periodically electronic signs that had one message for you. What was the message word? Travel not advised. Just every like five miles, travel not advised. Traffic starts picking up. The roads are ice covered. It's dark. There, it's coming down a little more. We're going slower. Yeah. We're, and, we have the GPS telling us the estimated time of arrival, and it just keeps going up and up and up and up. And it's not dark because it's getting close to the nighttime. It's dark because there is just this white gray envelope of of ominous moisture cloud yeah. coverage i yes. don't even know what that is but you would look over to the right side and you literally could not tell where the ground stopped and the sky started and you would just see like a a phantom like a part of a tree just hanging in the middle of this whiteness and you're like i didn't even know the ground was that close <laughs> and this is where you start to see the abandoned vehicles this is where it starts to look really post-apocalyptic where it's just like oh my god what happened here does this the the zombies got this far you see semi trucks turned upside down you see cabs separated from their halls you see uh suvs turned the wrong way i mean it's awful it was a vehicular graveyard mile after mile after mile and look we're getting some footage of it eric's over there white knuckling it and then i look at it and, and it's it starts to build and i look ahead and i see what looks to be about three semis that probably took all took each other out and turned over and i can't help it i just go oh my god scared the hell out of me i thought like i was about to have an accident i mean i'm shocked i didn't turn the car over at that it, moment it was an irresponsible but completely reactive response to what i saw which was terrifying and then we hit more traffic and we slow down and we're slowing down and we're slowing down until we come to an absolute stop in the middle of the highway two lanes of traffic and we wait about five seven minutes 
And then I just say, I want to get out of the car. I'm doing a live tweet video at the time, but I want to see what, what this is about. I'm right next to a semi truck. Like I get it. You, you couldn't even open your door all the way because the semi was so close and you get out stepping onto the slippery freeway in which this semi truck could hit the gas at any second. But I look forward and look back and it seems like there's thousands of cars stopped in this parking lot. I'm like, we're never going to get there. We're going to die out here. This is what's this is it. And I'm videotaping and like doing a live stream. And then I kind of come around the back of the car and I look, there's a car behind us and somebody is like yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, some assholes yelling at me. And then I just kind of like back up a little bit and it says sheriff on the car. <laughs> and there's lights on the car and he is screaming at me, get back in your car, get back in your car. To your credit, how could you know that it said sheriff when it was backwards. Exactly. How could I possibly <laughs> know that? So after, I don't know, about 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, we see the cars inch up a little, an inch, and then it opens up. And we now are on the home stretch to Iowa and we miss our final exit. <laughs> We're so busy live tweeting. Our dumbasses just miss the exit. We're like, oh my god, because we're we're kind of in a race against the clock at this point. We do not want to miss tip off. Of and the we're hungry. Basket. We got to eat something. Well, yeah, that that that's essential too. We got to check in. We don't know where the hell we're going. We've never been to Iowa City before. We never want to come back again. So we need to do it right this time. But fortunately, there was another exit right away. We could pull. We could pull a U to get back onto the freeway, and we found ourselves in a place I never thought I would be or want to go, but because the Indiana women's basketball team was going to be there, we were in Iowa City. And here's all you need to know about Iowa City. Did we get a good look at the campus? Absolutely not. It was covered in 16 feet of snow. Did we get a good sense of the people? Absolutely not. But we did get a sense of the name of their local convenience store. Come, Come and go. And go. <laughs> A-U-M and go. What? <laughs> what? I mean, it's just offensive and inappropriate and seems to fit that shithole of a school, city, town, state, whatever. All I so, knew is I was never going to use the bathroom in a come and go. Exactly. No. You don't want to be coming or going. So... We get to check in to The Graduate, which, by the way, if there's one nice place in all of Iowa City, it's The Graduate Hotel, of course. Really nice hotel. We check in. We find out Ward had done some searching on where do we need to go for dinner. There's a place called The Pullman. We rush to The Pullman. They seat us. We cram the food as fast as we possibly can. Actually, <laughs> that's not exactly what happened. Well, we're like, oh, can we? Will the food come out pretty quick? The lady's like, sure, we've got to We catch told them our situation. We did we, tell them our Well, situation. we told the hostess. We didn't tell the server, which was maybe kind of our fatal flaw. But then I'm like, well, I want to get the French onion soup. And we're like, oh, we should, like, start with the bone marrow. Like, what a couple of assholes. We're in a hurry. So let's order the bone, bone marrow. marrow. And I will give the Pullman credit. This was like the bone marrow of a brontosaurus. This yes. was the biggest bone of bone marrow I'd ever seen in my life. And it was delicious. It was really good. Really good. But. They were, it was just coming out too slow. And I'm looking at the time. We got to get to the game. I'm like, Ward, we're not going to get our entrees. Let's just tell them, put it to go. We'll eat it in the Uber. Ward orders the Uber. They bring us the 
food and we realized that the Uber is not going to be there for 15 minutes. So we just stayed and ate our to-go food at their <laughs> restaurant. We took it out of the bag and just start eating it right at the table. I mean, they just must think these two idiots, these two guys are total idiots. We get in the Uber. He takes us to the arena. As you can imagine, there is a lot of traffic and I'm following it on Google maps. And we know we got to go pick up tickets from will call. We don't know our way around, but I know we got to go to the north entrance. That's I did the research. We got to go to the north entrance. The Uber driver tells us there is no north entrance. There is no north entrance. I'm going to drop you off at the east entrance. It's the only entrance, apparently. The only entrance to the arena, according to this gentleman. So we go in. It's the wrong will call. They're like, sorry, you got to go back outside. It is minus 15 degrees and wind chill minus 30. And the game is about to start. And they tell us we have to go around to the west entrance. No, uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. No, to it, the oh, north entrance. That's to where the we north have to entrance. Go. Yes. Yeah. And so now we, like most arenas, you just can walk directly around the whole thing. Not at Carver Hawkeye. No, you can't just, like, there. it's not just an open walkway around the arena. You have to go all the way to the end of the block to a red light go down the sidewalk, then re-enter into, I guess, what was the the south, the west. I don't I don't know. And then we had to go all the way around to another parking lot. It wasn't just a loop. It was it was a maze. And I mean what? We must have been outside for at least 10 minutes jogging. We were jogging. As jogging as fast as you can on ice, wearing shoes where don't have boots that have no traction. It's awful. My lungs are exploding. I think my I think I'm bleeding. I think my eyes are bleeding. Everything is awful. Ward's ahead of me, sprinting his ass off. At a certain point, I said, fuck it. I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna walk it. At a certain point, I hear from about 20 yards back, Ward, I'm going to puke. <laughs> yep, that was keep me. in mind, we had just housed like duck and bone marrow not 15 minutes what earlier. assholes <laughs> were we to order the food we ordered? We ordered <laughs> duck breast, cavatelli, and bone marrow before the game in Iowa City. I had some oh. French onion soup sloshing around in there, too. We get the tickets. I'm sweating. I had thermal underwear, which I didn't realize till an hour later had risen up to just under my nipples. That's what I was dealing with. I was like, this is uncomfortable. I don't wear thermals. Is this what it's supposed to feel like? It turned into a de, facto, a de facto athletic bra for you. Yeah, that's what it was. We get inside. We get our tickets. We have to walk around the arena to our seats. It is packed. And there is nothing but yellow and black. I mean, it is just... We don't see Hoosier fans at the concession stands. We don't walk by Hoosier fans, which is unusual. Even at road games, Hoosiers travel. We get to our seats, and there is this little pocket of red of about 30 people that are all the family members of the players and coaches. Now it's time for the game to start. And this felt like a major game. I mean, it did. It felt like an important, big-time atmosphere. And that was only added to. Now, look, for those of you who haven't had the displeasure of being in Carver Hawkeye, it's one big bowl. There's only one way in and out of the seats, which is up top. And then you walk all the way down to wherever your seat is. And so we're down there in that corner, as you described, with 15,500 people in, in ugly colors surrounding us. And the game's ready to start. And to your point, 
the atmosphere is pretty electric and it's ready. It's time. It's time for the game to start, but it's not starting. Why? It's because it's a big time nationally televised game. And you've got this guy. It looks like he's, he's maybe 30. He could be like 26 over at the scorers table who is waiting for the feed of the broadcast to come back out of commercial. And as we know, the, the network commercials are King and He's just got his hand holding up and everybody looking at this one idiot on the sideline, 15,500 people, all the players and coaches and refs out there. And you can just see all the, all the ladies on the floor, the players, they're ready to go. Like they walked out there ready to jump it. And I mean, what did go on for two, three minutes? If, if it felt like 30, if it was two, I mean, it just felt like it was forever. And then Um, finally the hand goes down and it's time for the game to begin. And look, we don't need to rehash the game except to say the first half, Indiana fought like hell. Um, Caitlin Clark had a slow start. We were playing good defense on her. Every time they made a run, we came back. Mackenzie did not have her best game. We just, and and Sarah Scalia did not get off the schneid really till in the second half where she hit a couple mid-range shots. This Indiana team, without having Grace Berger, without having the player that you can just give the ball to and say, go get us a bucket, This is a team much more so than the last two years that outside of McKenzie, who they just give the ball to, this is a team that has to create open shots through the movement, through the picks, through the constant motion. And that's difficult, especially in a hostile environment. If you get behind, you do have to, it's really helpful to have one person go get me a bucket. They don't have that player on this team, it seems. McKenzie needs the guards to get it to her. Sydney Parrish is a Swiss Army knife and can do a lot, uh, but she's not like the blow-by guard. Chloe Moore McNeil is a bit of a Swiss Army knife too and can do a lot, but isn't the just give me the ball, I'm going to go get a bucket. Sarah Scalia needs to get set up or get the ball in transition. Yarden is is not the the perimeter player. She can get a bucket on the post. It's a different kind of team. And when you've got Iowa with Caitlin Clark, who is that player and the best in the country and maybe the best in the history of the college game on the female side and being able to do that and can shoot from 40 feet or get the ball inside, it's a really difficult time. We weren't on our A game. It didn't go well. We got blown out in the second half. And that's really all I want to talk about with the game because then the real star was well, how the hell what we what do you want to say? Can I say something about the game? Oh sure, go ahead. Thanks. Um look, I mean I was trying to rush to get you out of here, truthfully. Oh, well, I appreciate that, but it is what it is. And and I wanna say one, our bad for being there on the road again for the Lady Hoosiers in a big time game. That's on us. Uh we won't do it again. Uh, We'll just make sure we watch them at home in Bloomington where they always win, whether we are there or not. That said, we did witness the game in Palo Alto. That felt from the first 10 seconds like we were just outmatched and run off the floor and we're not in at that point in the season early on in a place to be able to compete with the Stanford. That is not what I sense from this game. Certainly in the first half, things kind of got out of control for various reasons early on in the the third quarter but watching that team where yes our travel schedule got messed up they're creatures of habit they're superstitious 
and yet we still were right there with this team in the first half, not playing our best, not being um, fully prepared in our normal way to go take on the fourth best team in the country on their home court in extreme weather conditions with, to your point, arguably the greatest female college basketball player in history. That said, I believe we can compete with that team. I believe we can beat that team, certainly at home. I even think on a neutral court. Will Kate, the not-so-great, I know, it doesn't work. She's great. Will she get her 30? Yes. But I believe, I believe I said this to you, not on the pod, I think we have more better players than they do. And I think we just need to be clicking with our five, six, seven best players to be able to not only keep up with her unloading for 30 or 35 points, but to actually be able to beat them. And I, I really do. I think overall we are a better team than Iowa, and we will prove that later in the season. Yeah, I, I just to follow up on that one point, I do think that the, the trouble is we don't have a lot of depth, and <clears> – <throat> Sarah Scalia and Yarden cannot both have bad games for this team to compete at an elite level. Of those starters, four of the five of them have to have really good games to compete with the elite teams because there's no one coming off the bench that's going to score 12. There's no one coming off the bench that's going to grab 10 rebounds. Like, that's not what this team is. So they need to be clicking. Now, if they are clicking, and we have seen them click so far against Tennessee, against Princeton, against Michigan, like, we've seen it. If they do, they can beat anybody. Absolutely can beat anybody. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the other best teams in the country play, so I couldn't really tell you what they do or do not have. I think what we have in that starting five, most of them usually do have a good game, and that's why they've been on such a roll up to this point. And I look forward to watching them from afar, not in person, and seeing them get back to the team we know they are. So then we needed to get back to our hotel, and really we had no real plan outside of Uber, which is a disaster in the best of circumstances and in the worst of circumstances, which this was. There was just no way it was going to happen. Ward tried to order an Uber, and it was like cycling for 20 minutes. Well, fortunately, I was I was there with Sarah's father, Peter Scalia, having a great conversation, meeting the whole family. But I'm also feeling rude because every 15 seconds I'm looking at my phone because they're still looking to try to find a ride to come fetch us in 40 below weather. And we did have a little bit of a fight, you and I, right before you ordered that, because I said, I don't think the Uber is going to happen. I think it's going to be a disaster after this game. We're surrounded by 30 IU people. Let's just bum a ride. <laughs> Let's just be total freeloaders. And hopefully someone will like us enough or have sympathy on us enough to just drop us close enough to our hotel. Like I thought in my head, this is so stupid, but in my head, I thought no one else is staying at the graduate except for us, which is true uh, from this contingent. Yeah, we could have went and asked. We could have went and asked Gus Johnson. We saw him there. That's true, but in my head, all the hotels have to be around there. So let's just get in a car and get to the hotel that they're at, and then if we have to walk three minutes, we can make it happen. Well, it turns out the hotel that everybody was staying at was in the total opposite direction of our hotel, but we did befriend our new friend Jeremy Bloom, who was there who was awesome and met his family, including his two daughters, Bailey and Addison, who are two of the best 
female basketball players in the state of Indiana, seventh grade? They, I mean, they, they, they've been privately tutored in hoops by Tyra Buss. From Tyra Buss and Sydney Parrish. And Sydney now, yes. They're, they're getting the very best basketball education possible. And so as I'm bef- like having, you're talking to Peter Scalia, I'm talking to Jeremy and we're building up a bit of a rapport. And I'm like, is it going well enough for me to ask him if he can give us a ride? <laughs> and I took the chance. He was like, yeah, come on. So we walk up to the, uh, the concourse. We bundle up because it's minus 400 outside. And we all collectively... Jeremy, his wife, his two kids, and you and I jog as as fast as you can jog to his car, which felt like it was six miles away. And Jeremy, clearly a much tougher human being than us, strolls out in a hoodie and and initially doesn't even put the hood up on his hoodie. Doesn't have gloves. Meanwhile, uh, we've got our long underwear on, six layers, (laughs) our big tundra jackets. And I have learned at this point to take to pinch my hood, bring it over my head like this for you watching at home, where I can cover my entire face, almost I look like snake eyes from yes. from GI Joe, and only expose my eyeballs as we're going, and it still hurts my eyeballs. Yeah, it was brutal. We get to the car, and all I remember is piling into the car, and then him like turning on the ignition, and you and I talking to each other, and just seeing my breath in the car i don't know why i thought the moment we got in the car it would just be warmer turns out the car's temperature was the same as the temperature outside which is what happens when a car's out there for three hours and he was nice enough to drive us back to our hotel out of his way where we got back to the hotel and then decided let's go get some food (laughs) so we got terrible mexican food and insomnia cookies I like the I we wanted pizza. We got some advice from some locals where to go. We went. It was out of business. The place they recommended was no longer <laughs> operational. But the place they'd mentioned to get a burrito was right next door, which did take me back to like the La Bamba days on Kirkwood. I'm like, that's cool. But those were big ass burritos. Those were good. This was garbage. Oh, it's like, Iowa. I'm not giving them any credit. That's fair. That's fair. I liked my quesadilla. Then we went across the street and look. Talking with my father today, who is a retired medical professional, just in terms of how how dangerous it is to be outside in those temperatures at all for any reason. And we're we're just like a couple blocks walking around to pick up a, a, a quesadilla. And then, oh, let's go over here. Let's pick up some cookies. We're just out shopping around Main Street to get food that we don't need because we had a huge, rich meal right before the game. Yeah, not necessary. But we came back and housed it. And now it was time to get a night's sleep because in the morning we were going to drive to Des Moines to get our flight, have the same experience that we had on the way to Indiana and just seamlessly get home. So we wake up, we start to pack and I look at my phone and we are minutes away from heading to Des Moines and our flight is canceled. I wish I could recreate the sound you made when you read the cancellation because it was like, oh, it was we've been we spent a lot of time together over the years. We've traveled a lot together. I never heard sort of the sound or seen the look on your face of, oh, my God, it's we're going to end up being stuck in Iowa. I had like 
a few minutes where nothing was working. The, <laughs> my brain was not working, and I just had to process that I'm going to spend the rest of my days in Iowa City and probably not leave the graduate hotel room with you. And well, and that we would probably end up being just best friends and potentially boarders uh, at Tom Ostrom's house. Yeah, <laughs> who lives in Des Moines. So we then went into, okay, now we got to figure out how we, we did not want to stay in Iowa one more day. It was like the, no matter what, we would have walked somewhere to get out of Iowa. <laughs> we would have dragged ourselves across the state line in any direction. Yes, just to get the hell out of there. So it turned out there was the closest two real airports are Chicago, O'Hare and Midway, and St. Louis, Lambert International Airport. We looked at all the flights, and the true best-case scenario was getting to St. Louis. So Southwest Airlines, even though they canceled the flight, the woman we talked to on the phone was amazing. And dynamite. she was like, listen, what'd you say? She was dynamite. She was. She was like, yeah, you got to get out of there. She's like, you got to get. And then I said, what about Chicago? No, 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 no. You don't want to go to Chicago. Uh-uh. Get to St. Louis. Just get to St. Louis. So she put us on a plane on Saint in St. Louis, and we made the four-hour drive to St. Louis. Ward took the wheel and was awesome behind the wheel. It was pretty harrowing getting out of Iowa City where it was just a sheet of ice. Apparently, there's no real road service of any kind within the Iowa City borders. Yeah, what because a load of shit. I mean, just slipping and sliding. Thank goodness we had the four-wheel drive. But as soon as you got out of the city and onto the interstate, it was like, oh, this is not bad. This is just fine. We still, there was a bit of an auto graveyard still from a couple days previous, not to the extreme of, of uh, the day before, but we are heading south and the sun is out and the wind isn't really blowing. And you're like, oh, nothing could possibly go wrong the rest of the way, especially when in St. Louis, we have Marsha and Wally Pinkowski waiting for us. The temperature has risen to a just toasty zero degrees. We meet my parents at Lion's Choice, which if you are from St. Louis or the St. Louis area, you know that St. Louis Choice is sliced beef. It is fast food, but in the best possible way. Ward has never been to St. Louis with me. So we go to Lion's Choice. My parents are there, which was wonderful to see them. We had a nice Lion's Choice meal. And in the middle of the meal, do the noise again. <laughs> the flight is canceled. It was supposed to take us to Austin. No changing planes. And then to Burbank, California. Canceled. So again, my brain melts down. I don't know what to do. I figured, okay, well, now I'm back to living in St. Louis forever. That's I'm just back to being a 15-year-old kid. Gonna have, go sleep at mom and dad's house. I have visions of being the house guest downstairs in, in the windowless finished basement, just sleeping on a couch. I'm just like, I love Wally and Marsha. I do. But, but forever? Do I really want to be here forever? No, no. we got to get the hell out of here. So there was one last flight out of St. Louis that would go through Denver, which was in the heart of the blizzard situation. <laughs> but it was our only opportunity to get out of St. Louis. So we book on that flight. We then take, we had a little extra time. So we went to my dad's cigar store, which was awesome. I got to smoke a cigar. Thank you for indulging me, even though Ward has given up nicotine, which did have to be just such a fuck you to you, be surrounded by all these cigars. Well, 
I love that shop. I passed through there with, you know, uh, my good buddy Travis one time and Wally was so hospitable and Marsha came in there too. So I have very fond memories of the shop. Uh, I loved seeing you in there and your mom and I were just shooting the shit about different things, including addictive personalities. Uh, cause she has a friend who has one and I have one. And wow. just to see you and Wally in the stacks in, and, and people, if you're anywhere near St. Louis, and certainly if you're in St. Louis, get into JR Cigars, even if you don't smoke cigars. It is it is the most incredible cigar shop I've ever been in, like by a factor of 10. It's truly <laughs> a remarkable place. And to see you and your dad in your element was a beautiful thing. We said goodbye to my parents and headed off to our flight, which had now been delayed by a little bit of time. We dropped the Enterprise rental car off and let's just hope they don't check it too closely. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, and and despite the delay, it led to a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude for me and the cigar shop about getting you out there in time. But we're like, we get to Enterprise. Okay, we're cool here. And then we're in the shuttle. They're taking us to the airport, and we hit standstill traffic. And the, makes no sense. And the shuttle driver is like, there's a couple of guys on the shuttle kind of like, oh, are we worried? He's like, no, you guys will be fine. This won't take that long. When's your flight? And they're like 530. He's like, yeah, it should be fine. And we're like, our flight's at 445. I and guess. like, <laughs> And we can see the terminal and we're like, should we get out and run? He's like, mm, if you want to. We're like, well, no, we don't want to, but we feel like we should. So he opens the shuttle bus door. We get out in the middle of this parking lot of cars going into the departures and the arrivals. And it's not like there's a sidewalk. We are just running in between traffic. Up a ramp on ice. <laughs> not smart, not safe. Um, but then we get into the terminal and much to our relief, it's not that busy. Security's not that bad. We're not checking bags. We're good, right? We should be good. We are good. We get to the, right? Did something else happen that I'm forgetting? The only other real point of tension was when we were talking to, was that lady in Denver? It was oh, the yeah, lady in Denver. we get to Denver. And yeah. I, on the plane, had Wi-Fi and was looking at, like, the, I was always most worried about the flight out of Denver because I figured that plane won't get to Denver. And everything I read said that the flight that we were getting on that was coming into Denver got canceled. But, so I didn't know what was going on. So we get off the plane in Denver and we ask a Southwest employee, here's the situation. And she kind of walks us through it and she goes, your plane is there. It should be here. Oh, great. And so then I just said, so we're going to get, we're going to be fine. And she backed away from that desk and that thought so far and so hard, she would not commit even the thought that it would be possible to get out of Denver. It was like, what does she know that she's not telling us and can't tell us? And so we call her out on it. It's like, wait, wait, why are you reacting like that? She's like, you know, she's like, if I were you, I would just say, yes, I am going to get on that plane and it is going to get to Burbank. Yes, that's how you should think about it. Yeah, that's what you should feel about it. <laughs> like, like what, what? No, but don't you know? Don't you know something? So we walked out of there, and we had a little time to kill. We got some terrible airport food. Really we walked to our gate. We see it says Burbank. The plane is there. We get on the plane. We had a little thing that we worked out from the St. Louis to Denver uh, leg where 
Ward took the window seat. I take the aisle. We put my backpack in between. And anytime anybody walked by us that looked like they were considering it, we pretended like we were talking about something important. I would lean over your backpack in the middle and look at your phone, and we'd both be pointing at it and be really deep in conversation. It worked. And and act as though this is going to continue the whole route. (laughs) So you don't want to be in the middle of this. It worked. We got to freaking Burbank, California. Ward gets in his lift. Wait, before that, we we get out of the plane and it's 54 degrees. And when we woke up in a place where with the windshield, with the wind, it felt like 30 below. And you're like, holy shit, that's like 84 degree difference between what we woke up to and what we're going home to. And that's the warmest I've ever felt in my life at 54 degrees. It can't feel any different than like being on the beach in like the hottest beach in Mexico and then two hours later taking like a space shuttle to the North Pole (laughs) and getting out naked. Like that's how it has to feel, those differences. But we got here. My son was here, gave him a big hug. Did have to deal with my dog who ate like six months worth of medicine. We found that out on one of the planes, but she's okay. And we're back. (laughs) And here we are on Monday night recording Travel Not Advised. And the subtitle to the episode is A Cold Day in Hell, which has a double meaning. The first, being in Iowa City and that cold is a cold day in hell. Let me take a stab at it. And the second meaning. It's going to be a cold day in hell when Purdue comes into Assembly Hall and wins the game. No, I was going to say, as it <laughs> relates to our podcast, that it would I always thought it would be a cold day in hell before we ever had a Purdue graduate on our show. That's better. That's better. So travel was not advised and it's been a cold day in hell. And that is why we have our guest for this very big game coming up tonight. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is a Hoosier Hysterics first. It is only under extreme circumstances that we have asked this guest to be here. It is incredibly gracious of him to do so. Um, And if a lot of people are upset, we understand. We understand. We never thought we would have a guest like this on our show, but here we are. And actually, we're really, really glad to have him. Eric, who is it? Hailing from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he played three years for Fort Wayne Southside before, I'm pretty sure, being asked to leave the program, and he landed at a place no one's ever heard of, La Lumiere or something like that. I don't think anybody knows about that. He was rated a four-star by Scout.com. I believe that was out of 10 stars. And 96 other players were ranked ahead of him in the country the year that he left high school to attend college. He was honorable mention by the AP for All-State, which is very much like a participation award. He, for his career, he of course went to and committed to Purdue University. For his career at Purdue, he missed 433 shots from the field. He missed 103 free throws. He missed 149 three-pointers, which is roughly 68% of all the threes he took. He turned the ball over 176 times. 
Yes, he also scored over a thousand points, had 500 rebounds and 200 assists. He was only the eighth person in the program history to do that, but that's not important. He was an academic Big Ten, all all academic Big Ten, his final three seasons, which clearly means he skipped class and was a horrible student his freshman year. He was Big Ten all defensive team his final two years at Indiana and defense or in Indiana at Purdue. See, I'm 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 like wanting him to have the stats for Indiana. He was defensive. Dreams almost came true. <laughs> well, we'll get it. Defensive player of the year in 2015. We're not sure though if it means that he was defensive player of the year because he was really good on defense, or if he's just really sensitive and he was named mm-hmm. defensive player of the year. He was a candidate for the prestigious class award his senior year, and he lost it. <laughs> didn't even know that it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and let's of course talk about his four years at Purdue and the success that they had in the NCAA tournament during those four years yep a winning record against Indiana yeah. whoa 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 no you're winning three and three hey we beat y'all when we came in last place in the Big Ten it's crazy. <laughs> All right, man. Hold on. Just wait. It's not your turn to talk yet. <laughs> after graduating college, after graduating college, though we've never seen the diploma, so we can't confirm it, but he has dedicated his life to giving back to the youth with basketball training for kids, especially for kids that couldn't afford high price training, kids from all backgrounds, making it affordable. He is a BTN analyst. He is a really good dude for sitting there and taking all that. He's been on our spaces before. I told him before we went live that I do love listening to him on the Big Ten Network. I think he's one of the best there. He did have a 3-3 three and three record against Indiana in six games at Purdue over the four years, which sucks, by the way, that two of the years you only played us one, uh, one time. That was before they protected the rivalry. Which is like crazy because two of those wins came in the first year when you guys had the number one team in the country. Yeah, we were real good. So, so after, mm-hmm. after, the, after that year, it kind of got – Kind of got dicey for you guys, right? All right, ladies <laughs> we and gentlemen, know. we are talking to none other than Rafael Davis. Appreciate you guys having me on. No, that was fun. That was fun. I will say, Lalamir, um, you got IU fans may want to forget Lalamir Hana Perea. Yeah, that was my teammate. So I mean, um, okay, produced we- one of the best, um, one of the best recruiting classes in Indiana history. Yeah, the movement. that's what it was. The movement. The movement. We- yeah, I remember. We- I think we- one guy finished. Yeah, we call it, just so you know, we call it the bowel movement. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that's my, I, those are my guys, just, though. Those are my guys. That's all right, I know that your guys are your teammates. You can't talk bad about your teammates. But I got to ask you a question. I'm just going to skip to this right now. So you played with Hanner for that year, your senior year. Yeah, yeah. So you played, I didn't realize this at the time, but do you remember when you guys came to Bloomington and you played Bloomington South in a high school game there? Oh, that was the year before me. Oh, was it? Okay. So that was the year prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to that game. I was in Indiana, and I saw that game. And I was all excited because Hanner, we were, you know, recruiting Hanner, and he was ranked high. And I watched warm-ups, and I watched him in warm-ups. And I called my buddy Ward, and I said, this dude cannot play basketball. (laughs) He can't do anything. He couldn't dribble. He couldn't shoot. He, all he could do was jump and dunk. Am I wrong? Did you know hey. that when you played with him? Well, no. That the year you're talking about, he was real, real raw. That was kind of when it, um, kind of the hype behind Hunter really started. He was with Indiana. The year I played with him, our senior year was when he um, first started to develop that 
15 foot mid range game. But yeah, Hunter was a, a lob catcher or a dunker, a rim protector. I think once, um, once when you want, at, at some point in your basketball career, you are who you are and you got to maximize who you are. And I think Hunter, Hunter could have been a really talented Big Ten player, like defensively rebounding, running the floor, Clifford Mori type. But when it came to handling the basketball and shooting it from deep, it was uh, it was a struggle to say the least. Yeah. Really okay. good dude, though. I shared uh, my room was here. His room was here. You could you could stand up and touch both walls. I could. And I remember <laughs> um, going in Hunter's room. His cell phone woke, woke me up every morning. He had an old school flip phone, a real loud vibrate. Woke me up at like five more every morning. But he slept in the twin bed. And every day his um, mattress on the floor on purpose and his feet will hang off the bed. But Hunter was um, – <laughs> Hunter could talk. Hunter talks Spanish when he get real mad. He start talking Spanish. You wouldn't know what he was saying. Hey, real good dude, funny dude. Yeah. Okay, so Rayfeld. Obviously, it's rivalry week here between Indiana and Purdue, and this is all in good fun. But you know, you're a really insightful guy, and you, like your fellow Boilermaker Robbie Hummel, have been tossing a lot of knowledge at us. Hoosiers and other Big Ten folk over the past few seasons. And no matter how much we don't want to like or respect what you have to say, you just you just make it so. You both have added so much um, to the network, to watching the games. Um, it's really been uh, fun and impressive. And despite ourselves, we like and respect what you're doing. So in honor of that, what we really do on this show is, besides just talk hoops, is get to know basketball players commentators as human beings you know we we so get so myopic and just being mad or happy about what's happening on the basketball court and where they went to school or didn't go to school um, we do like to take a little bit of time to just be like all right this guy's not just an evil boilermaker he's got a family he had a childhood and you hail from fort wayne much like yep. my my Hoosier bride, she is also a Fort Wayne gal, or as she says, smart man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you get the irony in that. Um, so just tell us about growing up in Fort Wayne, and like you know, how did you start, yeah. and, and who did you play with, and who did you like to watch as a young man growing up in the greatest basketball state in the nation? Oh yeah. Um... That's a good question. I could uh, give you an abbreviated answer to a long story, but I grew up in Fort Wayne. My parents, they, um, my mother's from Washington, D.C. My father's from Indianapolis. They uh, met in the Army, so they met on the Army base, and uh, from there, they moved around a bunch and then landed in Fort Wayne. Uh, my siblings, I have two older siblings. I'll get back to them in a second, but I have two older siblings. I was born in Fort Wayne. My father was a police officer, so my father is a, police, a retired police officer. And so when he moved to Fort Wayne, he was on the on the rise, I guess. He was starting out there. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom early on with my with my siblings, and my dad would work third shift at the police the station and in the streets in the on the south side of Fort Wayne. He would work security at the elementary school in the morning. He would get off, coach youth football. He would coach us in youth football. He would go from there, drop us off at home. He go work security at Pizza Hut and Long John Silvers in the night, and then go work back at the police station. So my dad was like a, he was a man's man. He is still a man's man. He goes to work and he uh, really set up set up his family for success. And then my mother, like I said, high school education went to the army, 
left the army early because um she was pregnant. I mean, just not. Just, I mean, I don't know if she left. I don't know how that works. But she was pregnant. Had my sister, or whatever. And then uh, my mother, high school education. From she went back to school to get her associates when I was in um, fourth grade. I will say I was in fourth grade. She started as a. I want to say it's a. Um, she worked in a nursing home, uh, a CNA. She started as a CNA in a nursing home. And um, by the, when I graduated college, so just fast forward in the, the process, 27, I graduated 2016, 2017, my mom graduates with her doctorate. So um, wow. education was real serious in my household. Uh, that was doing the right thing and character, all that shit was way before picking up a basketball. My dad used to tell me, no, the world doesn't need another dumb basketball player. No college coach wants a dumb athlete. Like, there's no, um, there's no value in it. My mom would always say, what are you going to do if you can't dribble the ball anymore? Stuff like that. So, like I said, like my mother put her, went through school, the whole process, associates, bachelors, masters, everything. I got to see that up close and personal. Like I said, she started as a CNA. And by the time I was at Purdue, going into my freshman season, she was a director of nursing and nursing homes and an now consultant. So I got to see a real grind. I got to see my father work hard. My father sold caskets and for a lower price because um, caskets are expensive and headstones are expensive. And where we lived, a lot of people that looked at us passed away. Like I can tell you a story of kind of a little bit about my high school. And just to, um, one of the guys I know listens to your guys' show is uh, one of my first mentors. I call all of my OGs, but one of my first mentors in basketball, Brian, Brian Beerman. He was one of my, um, he went to high school, the high school I went to before me, my sister was in school with him, ended up being the high school coach, freshman coach. But even though I was in middle school, he'd come pick me up, bring me to practices with the high school, make sure I was doing the right thing and stuff like that. So I grew up around a lot of men like Brian, a lot of men like Beerman. Uh, he's still doing the same things out in New York, big IU guy, big IU fan. So, I mean, um, he was one of those guys that was there at the foundation, grew up playing at parks and whatnot, growing up through through AAU and you know all that good stuff. I actually was um I'm rambling a bunch, but I'm getting somewhere. I was middle school teammates with James Blackman Jr. Ah, so nice. um he was he was in sixth grade, I was in eighth grade. His father was an administrator at the school at the time. And then he went on to be a high school coach at Bishop Bluers with Deshaun right. Thomas and all of that. But little James, that's not even just in sixth grade. Like I grew up with little James since he was probably six years old with the white patch. And it was so like little Jalen to see what he's doing in college basketball. Now is kind of like we saw Jalen when he first learned how to triple. So like stuff like that is real cool. So that game at Indiana, my junior and senior years, those two were real fun because me and James got to match up. It was um, it was big fun. So played middle school ball with him. He averaged probably 20, I averaged 30 his sixth grade year. We didn't <laughs> lose a game. It was crazy. And then um, from there, I went to Southside High School. It was fun, like you mentioned. I had a, it was, um, it was interesting. Freshman year we sucked. Sophomore year we were decent. Junior year we sucked, and then I kind of left. But the <laughs> thing I kind of took from my high school, also, just kind of not what it was, but for my June, for my sophomore to junior year at Southside, everyone in the school got let go. So from the janitor to the principal, we had a full regime. What happened? Change. What happened? This, I mean, it just was. School, 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 
Southside. It's just what it was. I mean, okay. the attendance rate was bad. It was threatened to be shut oh, down. Oh, so like the district the came in and said, "We got to do something." Yeah, this we just got a- like my high school coach came from the rival school. It was all it was all twisted up. But and I tell you to say, my high school team. I'm talking to you. Our point guard is doing 100 years in prison. Our big man is doing 100 years in prison. Our shooting guard's dead. We have another teammate come off the bench is dead. Another teammate's dead, and probably three or four. It's more players with a felony than the two players without one, and I'm one of the two. So kind of with that situation, and I go off to Lalamere, that was a social experiment because you go from where 80% of your school, 85% of school is free lunch to where 99, 100%, no, 100% of your school is getting accepted to college. Mm. So culturally, that just was a big shift, but I've really appreciated where I'm from. I mean, the guys I grew up with, a lot of that, and that's kind of why I am doing what I'm doing now. Cause like I'm kind of leaning through some things, but don't want to get past, <laughs> don't want to get past. I know I got deep and now I'm getting light, but I don't want to get past Calvin Sampson and um, Ray McCullum Sr. They were on me. They were the first guys to recruit me. So, so Ray let's, McCullum. Let's talk about that. Let's, well, first off, <laughs> let me just say this stop being likable. Okay. Just stop being likable. I don't want to like you. So let's let's just enough with that. But I, I want to just one follow up. I assume, you know, you gave us your, your parents backstory. I have to assume it would have been very easy to go down the road of so many of those sad stories that you just told us were it not for having parents like oh, you yeah. did, especially a dad in law enforcement who Oh no, for sure. So so I mean my neighbor, my neighbor was killed. I mean, you think about my neighbor was killed when I was what nine years old. My grandmother was killed, was killed with someone's hands. So it's a thing where you learn things early, you go through things early, you see these things. And my father come home and tell us these stories. And this thing where one, you can go down that path. And I'm not saying me and my siblings are perfect by any means, but I had a lot of examples. I had guys like my father who were strict, but Ferris can only do so much. But then I had dudes like Beerman. Like if I had a situation when I was in middle school and Beerman heard about it, it may not have got to my parents. Beerman could have handled it. I had three, four guys that when I was 12, 13 years old, like I just talked to Beerman today. So they're still in my life. And that's where I get the, the mindset to do what I'm doing because I have friends I talked to a gentleman two weeks ago, right before I got on air at the Big Ten Network. He's doing 40 years in prison. But he was thanking me and my organization for feeding his family Christmas dinner because he can't. So just like, it's things that kind of mold you and kind of shape you. But but yeah, like um, like my father, he was, um, he was real involved. My mother real involved. My mother tougher than my father. My mother didn't believe my meniscus was tore for a month and a half. <laughs> made me play on it, take ibuprofen. So I mean, I, I love my father. Did not let me play basketball if I didn't have straight A's through sophomore year of high school. It was a thing where I didn't turn in a science project in like seventh, eighth grade on a Friday or some shit. And like, and we were going to the LeBron James tournament in Akron, Ohio. This is when it was real big, like when it first started. So like, you go to the championship, you play in front of LeBron. So like. Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I get in the car to go with my mom or whatever. My dad comes to the garage, get out the car, get your bags out. You got a science project to do. You can go when it's done. I got it done on Sunday and we went, but it was, you know what I mean? But I grew up in the real, this is what's important because when I played in China, 
and I ruptured my disc in my back. It didn't take me that long to get hired with Eli Lilly because I had kind of that framework. But but yeah, we can. Uh, but the um, let's let's I, go let's ahead. take a step back <laughs> to figure out why you didn't um, why you had to settle for the backup in Purdue and didn't come to Indiana. Uh, so no, you mentioned crazy. Kelvin Sampson. I mean, obviously yep. you're real young when Kelvin Sampson is the coach yep. of Indiana. What are you in seventh, eighth, eighth grade. grade, eighth grade? Yeah. So what they came to you and started recruiting. What was that like? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it was like that, but I will say coach McCullum was at a middle school game in eighth grade. And uh, obviously coach Blackman, James Blackman, senior from Indiana played at Marion, went to Kentucky obviously he has relationships. So that was one of his guys. So that's kind of how, you know what I mean? So that's coach mm-hmm. Blackman's friend. And I would go to the, um, I guess, what was it called? The elite camps. Like I was yeah. at all the elite camps. Like I was at the, like, I'm so like, I was getting recruited. So it started for me so young. I was at the elite camp with Eric Gordon. I was at the, the I was at the elite camps when it was kind of like that in between stage. And then I went to Tom Crean's first elite camp. And after that, I had already committed. But I kind of um, – it was a lot of changes at Indiana during that time. I mean, it just was a lot – because my siblings went to Indiana. Uh, my older sister and my older brother both graduated from Indiana. Oh, so, so they're, I was they're, on, they're, the, they're the smart ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was on campus a bunch. So, I mean, I was on campus a bunch all the time. My brother actually had a barbershop on campus. Like he, so he would cut Oladipo and Yogi and – like, I remember the Indy Star did a little story on his barbershop and stuff once it moved to Indy. And that's where, like, myself, John Noctius, P.J. Thompson, all of us, we would go to the barbershop. So we would see, at that time, it would be Yogi, Jeremy, uh, what was my man name from, I think it's from, like, Arizona or something, Stan Johnson oh, and, like, yeah. Troy Williams. We would see those dudes at the barbershop. You could talk a little trash or whatnot, but... But yeah, it was uh, it was fun. In the end, I, I committed as a freshman. But wait, Stanley, was, Stanley Robinson? Stanley Robinson. There we go. Yeah, Stanley yeah, Robinson. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, I committed after my freshman season. And that was just Indiana. Um, Purdue was the first to offer me. I really liked Etwan Moore as a player. But like, um, and I went to the, I'll just be frank. When I went to those elite camps, Tom Crean didn't care that I was there at, at all. At, at all. <laughs> no, he was too busy recruiting Ron Patterson. Oh yeah, bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He liked yeah, bus yeah. a lot. They liked bus a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bus, bus couldn't go to school at Indiana. <laughs> Did not bus, go to school. Bus Indiana. couldn't make the grades. All so, right, so you. I, ahead, I just want to get a little because you know we grow up. Eric and I grew up in IU households where we were just you know like you love IU, you hate Purdue. That's it, and we're really born and raised into that. And also. We weren't good basketball players. So it wasn't <laughs> like the idea of playing for either of school was ever going to factor into it. There was no objectivity. I wonder for you, growing up with all these different guys who go to both schools or other schools, and and even in the tumultuous time it was, uh, especially for Indiana, but with Gene Cady retiring and stuff too, it wasn't the IU-Purdue we grew up with. So were you cognizant of the rivalry like we were and did you did you really care either way before you picked your colors oh that's a good question no one's ever asked me that no i had no idea because <laughs> my sibling i mean we we're first generation college kids if you think about it because um yeah i'll cross my cousins and across our family I have 37 first cousins maybe 40 first cousins now and my sister may have been the first one to graduate college wow. so i mean yeah, we weren't um 
I wasn't aware, I guess, of the rivalry. I knew, you know, you know, Indiana Purdue, but I wasn't aware of the magnitude of it. At that time, only thing I really knew about Indiana from DJ White those years, I knew um, the Eric Gordon years, obviously. But then at that time, Purdue was growing into who Purdue could have been. Because once Purdue started recruiting me, it was the year after the baby boilers year. Mm-hmm. So they had already showed a good showing at each one more. That was my same position. And I would go to the games and it was kind of le- if I'm being honest, paint recruited me. Paint was paint coach Owens did a great job, but it was the players, Purdue's players compared to let me say this, Purdue's superstars compared to other superstars across the Big Ten, because Ohio State was in the mix, Illinois was in the mix. Like, Etuan Moore, Robbie Hummel, Juwan Johnson, Lewis Jackson, they gave me time. Like, I remember going, I can remember vividly being on a visit, and not just after I visited another school, I'm on a visit, I walk in the locker room, Lewis Jackson is here, sit right here. You can have my seat, I'll show you around, I'll get you what you need, and it was just kind of like a, they, they took me in early, and, I, and, I, and Paint was young. And my dad was big on that. And um, you could also the change from Katie to Paint. Paint had played for Katie. And my dad kind of, he knew that as well. But I know it was, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. Now, I didn't honestly know the magnitude of the rivalry until first day on campus. I don't know if it's first day on campus, but first practice that we prepare to go on our euphoria trip to Italy my freshman year. It's the first practice. In the practice, I'm thinking it's over. Pain is like, get on the line. We got double suicide for losing to Indiana twice last year. They got swept. So Robbie and Lou Jackson senior year, they got swept. So we ran in suicides for losing to this team I didn't play against. And um, mm. and then after we lost to those boys in Mackey, we lost to those boys in Mackey by like 30. It was yeah, crazy. Will Sheehy yeah, got to – Will Sheehy was flexing and shit. It was crazy. But how, how mad Paint was after that game, that's when I was like, oh, shit, this is real. But, so, yeah. so yeah, so I got, I got a couple things. So one, when you were, t- when you were mentioning Honor and the movement before I sensed a little bit of like a, yeah, Indiana went with those guys while I went over here and my guys, we ended up being better. <laughs> were you um, bothered by the hype around a lot of those guys? Many of some of whom were your teammates. And, oh, that's a and, great question. But yeah, what was your feeling about that? Oh, I'm gonna let it all you? out. <laughs> I've never been asked that either. Yep, I was salty. Me and Jay Simpson, because we played <laughs> a lot of them together. Jay Simpson was a teammate of ours too. And that was um Ronnie, like because also like we grew up with these guys since we were young. Like Jeremy Hollowell was my sixth grade AU teammate. Like I met Yogi wow. in the fifth grade. Like I remember Yogi and Kevin, like Kevin was so involved with Yogi. I mean, Yogi from fifth grade, you knew what Yogi was going to be. So, like, I can remember growing up, I remember meeting Bus, and Bus was my kind of, like, we would go head-to-head from when we were ninth grade on because we both played for the same AAU organization. He just played for the Indianapolis team. I played for the Fort Wayne team. So it was kind of like a built-in little rivalry there. So, but no, we grew up with these guys. I can remember traveling with Jeremy in middle school. So it's like we have, like, a little built-in thing with that as far as competing. We knew those guys were good. But the thing where IU at that time was looked at as the big brother. It was looked at as they get all the Indiana and Mr. Basketball. They get the top recruits. But Purdue wasn't. But I won't say we end up being better than those guys. I mean, we had five guys come in. We only let two guys left out of our five, too. So, I mean, me and AJ, we stayed it through. Jay had a 
health situation, but we had a couple guys transfer out as well. So, but it was fun. It was fun to kind of, I knew, I knew our class would be better. I knew we had a little more substance. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you weren't far off. I mean, um, of that group of Yogi, Hunter, Bus, Hollowell, you, you know, that whole group who take yourself out of it. Who was the best player? Oh, who Yogi. It's not, it's no question. Yogi Ferrell. I mean, you put me in there too. Shit. <laughs> I'm not I'm no I'm no dummy. <laughs> be making like a million dollars a year playing basketball right now, and I get to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean Yogi was Yogi, Yogi was Yogi had an innate ability to drive the basketball baseline and draw all the defense to him. And he would go under the basket and he will be going this way, but he could pass it back that way. And like James Blackman, Robert Johnson, uh they and Troy Williams used to cut to the basket off of that. And I mean, Yogi was from the time Yogi came, Yogi could play with good players. Yogi could be the best player on the team. Yogi made shots from deep. He was fast. He was smart. I can remember going to Peach Jam with Yogi. We were we were we had just left a 15 UAU tournament. It was myself, Yogi, AJ Hammonds, uh, Dewan Morero, Austin Burgett. We had a really good team. Like we had a really good team. Just left 15 U tournament. They took myself, AJ Hammonds, and Yogi. We went to with the 17 U to Peace Gym just to kind of have, be there, just kind of be there. But I remember they put Yogi in the game. And it was Austin and Yogi was the best player on the floor. And it was Yogi, Deshaun Thomas, Marcus T, Brandon Knight, Austin Rivers, Patrick Young. It was guys on the floor. Yogi was a freshman. And I mean, he was. I don't want to gloat to Yogi, but yeah, shout out to Yogi. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to circle back real quick to when you were in eighth grade and James Blackman Jr. was in sixth grade. I just imagine you really had to push him, and it was a real effort to get him to shoot the ball, right? (laughs) That's funny as shit. Hell no. Um, That's funny. (laughs) Because, look, as – I mean, I don't know if you've noticed. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Since James left us – we haven't really had a lot of what you would call guys who can shoot the basketball mm. in terms of guys you've played with, been on, on the team with, on the floor with uh, who, who were the best shooters? Was there anybody better than James? Oh, yeah. Kendall Stevens can really shoot the basketball. Kendall oh. Stevens was six, six long. I mean, he had, he had a mental situation. Our, um, my junior year, his sophomore year, his friend had passed. I don't think he recovered from it, but Kendall, Kendall, and he broke his pinky and he like broke another finger. But Kendall Stevens, he's a he's a pro, still playing ball. I mean, Kendall, oh, wow. and then Dakota Mathias is right there. Dakota Mathias, I mean, the Midwestern Cowboy. He was Dakota, I'll tell you this. Dakota started his Dakota's crazy. Just crazy. Just like if you go to war, you want a Dakota with you in a foxhole. Just crazy dude. Like I remember he looked at me dead in my face. Me and our trainer, Chad Young. And this at the time we had Kayla Swanigan on the team, AJ Hammonds, Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards is coming in the next year. He's like, yo, I'm the NBA player on this team. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I'm the one that's going to play in the league. And long behold, he's the one that did it. Like he would keep a journal every day. Like say, and I would mess with him. I'd pick with him. Like I wouldn't pick him for open gym. And he would write that down. Like Ray didn't pick me. 
I'm going to kill right tomorrow in practice. Like we had a day where we had a day, like I would just mess with Dakota. We had a day where I said, Dakota doesn't shoot. I just wrote it on the board. Dakota's not shooting today in open jump. Every time he caught the ball, I fouled him. And like I fouled him, I like pushed him, like didn't let him shoot. Oh, he was so mad. I mean, but Dakota is the guy that could really, Ryan Klein came in, could knock down shots. Uh, James Blackman is right there with the best of them. I mean, guys I played against, Brent Forbes could really shoot it. Um, Nick Stauskas could really shoot it. Oh, Duncan yeah. Robinson, obviously, could really shoot it. But, yeah, I, and I, I mean, and looking at Indiana, just because I know a lot of the um, high school stuff is that Liam McNeely is a guy. Like, Liam McNeely is um, – he's a Trey Galloway with a jumper, which kind of – and with ball skills. Like, Liam can handle it. Like, Liam can go get a pull-up. Like, Liam uh, – get a step back and it doesn't look awkward. Like Liam will get to the basket and dunk on you. He'll talk some trash. He's working on being a better perimeter defense. That's why I say Galloway. Galloway has him there definitely, especially being an older guy. But once Liam figures out how to keep the ball quickness, because he keeps, he'll keep wings in front, but quickness in front and being able to guard the ones and the twos at a big 10, Liam will be, Liam will be a guy. Liam, especially if you keep those bigs, or even if you get Derrick Queen to come in with Liam, like Liam's a dude. Liam's a dude. He'd come off the screen and make a three. He'd make an open one. He could get it off the dribble. Like, I think Liam will fit that mode that you're talking about. All right. Well, we're going to get your opinion on uh, more of what's going on with Indiana now. But I want to go back to your freshman year. You already <laughs> talked about the game at Mackey. Indiana comes in. I just want to remind everybody of the score. Indiana wins 97-60. to 60. Uh, You're a freshman. You don't have a very good game. You end up having some really good games against Indiana later, but Indiana wins that game. We're no, obviously I the did. number one team in the country. AJ had 30. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? I'm about, I said AJ had 30 that game, my freshman year. I remember that. We partied oh, okay. after. There you go. <laughs> Great. So then, then the next game, it's your first time playing in Bloomington. Yep. Indiana wins that game 83 to 55. What do you remember about playing in Assembly Hall for the first time? Did it mean anything to you? Um, no, it didn't mean much to me, if I'm being honest. I had been there a bunch, so I won't say it's like my first time. I wasn't surprised. I had been to games there. My brother actually worked for Indiana. Oh, so yeah. my, bro- my brother my brother worked for Tom Crane. Really? So he was at the game. He was at the game where the Kentucky game. I, mean, I can still remember him FaceTiming me from the Kentucky game when Wofford hit the shot, and he was like, don't you want to come here or some shit like that. So like, now I was still in high school. So I remember that. So, yeah. So that anyway, but the things I remember, but two things I remember about that game, I messed up a defense assignment. I tried to argue with Payne on the bench and I don't know why, but the next morning I text him and apologize because I just felt bad. But the, the the next thing I remember about that game, Victor Oladipo got hurt. He went down. I think he rolled his ankle or something and he came back in the gym and there's only two times. I, there's only one time I heard Mackey Arena when Mackey Arena with Chris Kramer, when uh, Manny Harris broke Chris Kramer's nose. Me and Coach Beeline just talked about that. Coach Beeline said Kramer flopped, but it was blood <laughs> everywhere. It was crazy. But um, he broke his nose. Chris, Chris Kramer runs in a tunnel. Crowd goes crazy. But when Victor Ladipo comes back into the game at Indiana after like rolling his ankle or something, because like you could tell the crowd was like, "Oh man," because it looked bad. Yeah. It got it got it got real loud in there. It got um, that's probably the loudest I heard it get in there. That was cool. That was uh, that was that was fun. But yeah, you go to Indiana, they're there early. You get to read the little player sheets that are set out for the fans and see what they're saying about you. I remember they said they got some of my tweets from high school 
some of my, <laughs> it was some of my dumbest tweets too. Like, yeah, it was cool. They do a good job. <laughs> all right. So sophomore year, all those guys from that team, they're gone. Yogi's the oh, only yeah. one left from the oh, starting yeah. Easy five. Pickets. And now, all right. All right. Let's not get crazy here, but you play one game that year at Purdue and you guys win by a lot of how points. much 82 to 64. And we were last place in the Big Ten. That sucks. All right, listen, man. listen, <laughs> listen. We That's lost our tough. whole starting five except for Yogi. We right? did too. Whatever. You guys were bad the year before. Exactly. So, so who cares that you <laughs> lost your starting five? We made you guys not go to the NCAA tournament that year. You think you beat you're us? The one y'all had game? a chance. You think oh, so? Oh, but we losing to the last place in the league doesn't help. No, it doesn't. You had seven points in that game and no turnovers. Oh, that's solid. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I take it. So I wanted to ask you about you. You talked about how mad paint was about the year before that he made you guys run. Oh yeah. So when you hear coaches, I, it's just one game. Every game's the same. That is such horseshit, right? Oh, with this game. Yeah. This, with this game is horseshit. Yeah. I agree with you. Like normal when it's it's during the season, game by game, you take it. I get it. But it's certain if you have this type of rivalry, this is circle. Like I can remember going into our sophomore year, we were super energized. I can remember having phone calls from previous Purdue players. Like they will call in, leave voicemails. We hear them before the game, so you got to hear how what it meant to Conzo. You got to hear what it meant to Big Dog Joe Barry Carroll, and that's that's where kind of that went from. And also the year before in Mackey Arena. They're up big, and Tom Crean kept his starters in, and they're still yes. pressing. Like, yes. they, they like, put it to us because Paint had beat them for a long while, especially yes. high school. They were punishing Indiana. So Indiana kind of shoved it to us, and that was – I don't know. It wasn't – I don't know. But that next year, we were extra motivated, and then from there, you, you just understand what it is. And then that junior year is where they got fun because both teams were good. But let's go back to, you know, I love the idea of phone calls from former players. Obviously, Coach yeah. Painter has something to do with that. But how did Coach Painter, do you remember ways that Coach Painter instilled in you what this rivalry means? Oh, I can remember. Yeah, because Coach Paint played in it. So, right. like, like, he would talk and, about it. And you would, know uh, Coach Paint wanted to come to Indiana. Yeah, early on. Yeah, his family was Indiana family. Yeah, his father made a good decision. Because Payne's father made a real good decision, a real solid decision, I might say. Real good decision. Do you but, know who? Um, do you know who Indiana got instead? You know why we didn't take Painter? Another player. Another Wait, hold player. on. I you, you, you broke up there. You broke up there. Um, do you remember a guy named Todd Leary? I see. They took another player. Yeah. No, I don't. Todd Leary is who we took. <laughs> Todd Leary, he was Shout teammates. He was teammates with Eric Montrose in high school. Oh, okay, that's worth it. And we took Todd Leary, but we didn't get Eric Montrose. <laughs> uh, you try. You got to. You got to swing and you miss sometimes. <laughs> All right. So, so go back to what you were saying. So, that's Painter funny. played in it. So he, he what were yeah. the other ways that he told you how? And then also, Coach Brantley, my sophomore year, Coach Brantley came. So Coach Brantley played in a rivalry as well. Coach Brantley won three Big Ten championships. Coach Brantley was a real proud Purdue alum. And before he was a coach at that time. Now he's a great assistant coach. But that time he was still player mode, just finished playing. He was salty how he lost the year before. So he was big on that game. 
like I said, that time too, we had players coming back around. Lewis Jackson, Lewis Jackson would call me. We got Indiana this week. We got to win. I'm bet like they will. When you get an NBA or like G League or whatever, you're betting the guys in your team if they go to the rival school or whatnot. But but yeah, it was on. Uh, Man, it, it was fun. And Payne really expressed it that year, and he got it through to us. And also, you understood, too, that after that game that we beat y'all, and although we were having a season we were having, the fans still cheer like it was a Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's what this game is. I can remember Payne having practices, preparing to go play at Assembly Hall. He turned the speakers up all the way. And so you couldn't hear each other on the floor just to try and simulate what you would hear at Assembly Hall. So, like, this game, uh, the records go out the window – it just doesn't matter. It's you get your you gotta get your best shot. And it's um it's a lot more fun. It makes college basketball better, especially when guys are competitive in this one. We know Purdue Week, people around Bloomington, students especially, see the players walking around. They're into it too. Be Purdue. You gotta beat Purdue. The yeah. whole campus, the whole town's a buzz. I'm wondering when it's, you know, it's IU week in West Lafayette. Are you like walking by the farms and everybody stops kind of like shoveling <laughs> the farms and it's like hey you gotta get them i mean That's like it's... <laughs> you know i threw up on my sister's college visit when she moved in i threw up in that grocery store parking lot it was a smell in bloomington i couldn't get out my stomach <laughs> but but no um on campus the week going up to the game like you said yeah all the especially when so when we were bad i'm not gonna lie we were bad nobody cared <laughs> like so you know you guys are really good but when we when both teams were good, I mean you had fans sleeping out the night before, you're taking a pizza, hanging out with the paint crew on on campus, people are slapping you five. Campus is just this is a built up energy. It's just especially when you have kind of a few days going into it. I mean, it's it's nothing like campus, especially when you get that win and you get to go, everybody's happy. Every because you like you said, like you said, everybody, if you're a Purdue student, whether you like basketball or not more times than not, that rivalry is built in you from generations. So, like, after that game, no matter you win or lose, you're going to be able to feel it once you leave Mackey Arena. It's either going to feel like you lost or it's going <laughs> to feel like you won What right when you step outside. So, it's um, I can remember playing in Mackey my junior – my freshman year. This is another story from my freshman year is that we lost by almost 40. And I thought it was 30, but it was almost 40. But my sister, my sister, who is an Indiana graduate – she was nine months pregnant at the time. Nine months pregnant. She decided to come to the basketball game at Purdue. She had on a burgundy, big burgundy, big one IU hoodie. And she sat in the middle of the family section. Yes. It was unbelievable. Yes. After the game, she had the audacity to walk back to the family section with the players. Yes. And I could still remember, I could still remember paint walking by her and just shaking his head, just looking at her and just shaking. And then, long behold, I still say this is because of her karma. The very next morning, she had my nephew. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. He's, all right, a couple questions. What's your sister's name? <laughs> Taja. Tasha? Taja. T Taja. Taja. Is, yep. she, is she married? <laughs> she is not. Oh, well, either am I. I've got a girlfriend. I've got a girlfriend. Pretty serious. I've got a very serious girlfriend. But after that story, I feel like Tanja's made to be my wife. I'm just saying. It's funny. It's funny. Right. That was that was that was fun. That was fun. That is great. So junior year, junior year, you have two stellar games against Indiana. 
and you yeah, win both right. of them. Do you remember what yeah. you did in each game? Oh, uh, yeah. I think at home, I want to say I had 19, and I hit that big three in Colin Hartman's face on the left wing. It was nasty. Like, I remember I looked up in the stand, looked at my brother, and he and then we were nodding to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because my brother, <laughs> I will get my haircut. I kid you not. I get my haircut. I'm getting my haircut in my brother's barber chair. He's cutting it. And he's making bets on Indiana to beat Purdue. So, like, <laughs> so like it's that real even in the household. So, like, I look up to him like, yeah, this is over, boy. Like, like yeah, right. like, we beat y'all. Like, not just them, but you too. And then um, at Indiana, <laughs> at Indiana, I want to say I had maybe 10 points, nine rebounds. But I think I had the game ceiling layup. Like, two big buckets down the stretch. And I want to say I almost had a double-double. And um, after – I remember Peyton pay, pay rarely ever – drew up plays for me ever and it was one play he would always draw up I'll take the ball out I hit the top of the key I'll run and get it real quick and I get to my right hand and I remember I think Robert Johnson bit or something and I was able to get that basket off so no I remember both of those games those are my two of my favorites well by the way from my college career you 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 did have a double double in that game you had 11 oh points. there we go you had 11 points 10 rebounds there we go yeah <laughs> I mean down. they were all bullshit but yeah, but, but you did. They, they, and, I locked, and, I you. and I locked up. I locked. I took James Blackman out the game too. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So Blackman's on the team now. This is a guy you've known yep. since grade school. Oh, uh, big deal. Was that a big deal for you to just show? Oh, it show was a him big up? deal. It was a big deal. My um, my roommate who was um who was a walk on at the time. Well, he wasn't my roommate yet. So he was my roommate my senior year. But at that time, he was from a Fort Wayne guy as well. John McKeeman. He went to Carroll High School. He had, um, like I said, we all kind of known each other. He had knew James or whatever, knew of him. He had learned all of James's moves and his tendencies. And I watched every single one on film. I watched, when we played Indiana, I watched every James Blackman film that he had had up to that moment. Every clip, every offensive clip. I learned, I learned every move. I learned every tendency. I learned winning games. They ran stuff for him. I learned everything. And I can remember being in the game them calling out a set for him and me repeating it to my teammates and it throwing him off. I used to do stuff like that. So like that game was to another level with him. Cause that was more like a, I have to show you like, this is kind of, this is me and you type of deal. I can remember taking the ball from him once and it was, uh, it was James Blackman and Sandra. They was uh, Miss Blackman. They were right there behind the sports table. That, it was that kind of preparation for an individual that was not normal that you you stepped it up a, another level for that one no i will watch i will watch i will watch a lot of film on a lot of guys but for that game i watched more yeah for sure like i'll so be I, want, I remember being in class watching film on him yeah i want to ask you something there i don't know do you know jeff rabjohns the writer for peaks.com yeah i know jeff so Jeff is constantly trying to educate fans like us that are, you know, lose our minds emotionally about guys, just relax. You know, sometimes things, you got to give things time. You are somebody he uses as an example over and over again. <laughs> he funny. says, now some of this is kind of a backhanded compliment, but in the end, it's a real compliment. He I talks know, about yeah, how he talks about how in high school defense was not something you were interested in. No. But, but that in college, you were I a guy, better, yeah. you, you became the defensive player of the year in the Big sure, Ten, yeah, yeah. a conference known for defense. You yep. went from not caring about defense at all, not playing it, <laughs> to being the best. What what was that transformation as a player? Was that How did you make that decision that that's going to be the thing that you become elite at? 
Oh, well, it wasn't really my decision. I remember Coach Owens, one of our assistants, he's out at Ohio State as an assistant. I remember he looked at me, and I didn't play much as a freshman and sophomore. And Payne used to tell me that I couldn't guard around the way, like around about, like, you know, because I remember I was MVP on our foreign trip. That's why I don't put a lot of stuff in the foreign trips. Like, <laughs> I was MVP of our foreign trip, and I played four minutes a game in a non-conference. <laughs> like, that. So, like, that shit does not matter. Like, I know fans get a lot out of it, but this dude may not play. But anyway, I could like a score. I scored it a bunch over there. But yeah, like like Jeff said, because like in high school, I mentioned to you guys, I know I talked about the, the regime change, but before that, every year on that South Side, we had a different high school coach. So my mm-hmm. freshman year, we had a high school coach, the sophomore year, junior year, whatever. So like everybody had it. And my junior year high school coach, he just did not believe in playing defense. That's, that's when like the Kentucky run fast, I score in seven seconds, that's get this game that's press, amoeba. So we didn't really play real defense. So then I got to Lalamere. I got Hunter Perea. I got Big O. Big O was 7-1. Jay Simpson, 6-10. I got shot blockers. Like, go deal with them if you want to. Let's get on a break. So, like, <laughs> I never really had to. Then Coach Owens, after my sophomore year, when you finish last place in the Big Ten, you find out who your coaches are. <laughs> and I say that jokingly, but, like, I had known Coach Owen since I was 14, 15 years old. And uh, it took me till I was, what, 19 for him to tell me I couldn't play defense. He told me I was the worst defensive player he ever recruited. So I think um, – and he knew – he could say he, we could, he could have real talk with me. So, like, that didn't hurt my feelings or anything. But I remember I stayed – and also I had my daughter my freshman year in college. Right. So it's also one of those things where – you saw no, I had her my sophomore year in college. So we coming off the last place year. I have a bad year. My daughter's born. And it's also a, it's a pride thing, but it's also how can I get on the floor? And I stayed Maymester. I worked on my hips. I got – because I didn't get more athletic. I just got better shape, I guess. And what, I wait, watched explain a lot that, of Rafael, explain that to us. Worked on your hips. How does that – Oh, I, loose, I would say that, that offseason, Gavin Roberts, our strength coach at that time, our assistant strength coach at that time, we spent a lot of time – like I did like yoga, I would do Pilates, I would do different types of squats and different types of stretches and weightlifting to get me to be able to have looser hips. I was super tight in my hips, super tight in my hamstrings. So being able to get in a stance and stay in a stance, uh-huh. we did a lot of work laterally, like with the slide boards or like lateral shuffles. We just put in a lot of work through Maymester. And then also added motivation from Coach Brentley is that Ray, James, because James Blackman's McDonald's All-American. He would say, we got this freshman coming into IU who's going to guard him. Or we got Daniel Russell coming into Ohio State. He would name guys. He would say, we don't have nobody to guard him. We're going to get embarrassed. And then, because Purdue fans always want Paint to play a zone. Well, Paint tried to play a zone. To start my junior year, we started in a zone. Because he didn't believe in none of us defensively. <laughs> and then we went on to have the best defensive team in the Big Ten. But So we started with a zone, Kansas State, Bruce Weber, they tore that shit to pieces, and then we went on and played man. And it just so happened from that time on, being the older guy on the perimeter, just like Galloway, you're going to get that matchup every time. So it's a then it goes to a pride thing. And then once you kind of – once you realize you're doing it is when you get really excited about it. I started watching a bunch of film, and then Paint started to even let me dictate film and dictate scouting reports. And, like, if, wow. I, if I could guard something that was maybe unconventional – and I, he knew I could do it. He'd always say, if it works, you can do it. If it doesn't work the first time, we're going back to my way. And I can remember vividly Michigan State running a certain set. 
and no one had ever got on top of the screen out of the corner. No one ever did it to Brent Forbes. And I remember the first play of the game, they ran that play, and I just he just hit me right in the like his his chin hit my shoulder, and he went on to have like six or eight points. I mean, he made he made a lot of money in the NBA, but that's my claim to glory. I stopped Brent Forbes. I like that. Great, but it's awesome. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was fun. It, Indiana fans, especially now that Mike Woodson is here, always looking at the lineage of even the coaching philosophy. And even though the game changes, it's like, what is Coach Woodson doing or saying or implementing that comes from Coach Knight? I wonder, you're in practices with Matt Painter, a Katie guy through and through. And I'm wondering, even if you weren't necessarily watching a ton of Purdue games in the Katie era, if if any, if you could remember, what what were you learning from from Paint that you know he got from Katie? Where did you see that you were being passed that tradition oh, that so many old heads like me and Eric and even generations older than us were like, yep, that's that great Purdue basketball we know and love. Oh uh, yeah, like because I I mean I could just spend Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights with Coach Bruce Weber and like. When I'm around Bruce Weber, I kind of sometimes forget he was an Illinois coach because he sounds just like Peyton. I mean, they really? sound, when they talk about basketball, they sound just alike. And even when I hear, you hear Robbie Hummel call a game, he sounds just like Peyton in the film session. I mean, even some of the some of the terminology he uses, like hanging on rims or treat him like a body bag, just like certain things, like you hear Bruce Weber saying it. So it's like, you know, certain things come from, Coach Katie or whatever. And I know some things are paints his own, but the core principle of like that hard work, that toughness, that take care of the basketball, rebound the basketball at a high rate, the motion offense, shoot shots that are your shots, stuff like that. I mean, I mean, yeah, especially the defense and just that, that. I mean, Coach Katie walking to the gym, we're practicing. Coach Brentley tightened up. Like he still played for him to this day. So, I mean, he just had that effect where – and also Coach Painter's ability, I learned this about Coach Painter after I stopped playing for him because he told me, but he used to say this about Coach Katie was that Coach Katie could get on you, but he could also make you feel like he loves you in the same sentence. That like you could feel like he hate you, but he love you. Like he's cussing you out, but he's showing you he care about you at the same time. And Paint paints that way. Like Painter cuss you, Painter gets you. Like Painter, hey, get on you, but you're never going to leave that room feeling like you don't know where you're at with him. He's going to pick you up in the same breath. So I think that, I think that's one of the ways, but no, nah, you see it, you see it through, um, I mean, even talk, Conzo Martin came back and spoke at our, my fundraiser event for our nonprofit. And he sounds the way he, he, he talks that talk. He, I mean, you talk about coach Cunningham. I mean, he's, I mean, they all kind of speak the same language. And it's cool to hear guys like Robbie or like Ryan Smith now, or even PJ. I go back to campus and I'm hearing PJ Thompson coach. He's running the offense and I'm in film and he's running film and he sounds like paint. So I think it's um, Coach Katie did a great job of um, getting to his players and they believe in what Coach Katie was talking about. You could tell. But no, that's uh, I think that's one of the reasons Purdue has had that success because it hasn't changed hands a lot. You have kind of that foundation. The fans, the fans appreciate what they appreciate because it hasn't changed in 40 years what they appreciate. And well, I think um that, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, and I was gonna say, and clearly they appreciate never making it to a final four. So I'm glad that that's been yeah, passed that's on too. <laughs> I mean, we don't really I mean, think about it. Do we I, I mean one thing I got too is like I guess 
like people get on LeBron James for making it to the finals. He didn't win it, right? Like he didn't win it, but like yeah. we celebrate Final Fours in college basketball. Like I mean, like I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> All right. So what happened your senior year? What happened your senior year when you came to Bloomington? What happened go for oh, they cheated. Oh, let's go to it because Teddy Valentine, I believe, was the ref. AJ Hammond, you can go back watch the film. I want you guys to go back and watch the last minute. AJ Hammond's got a block shot, and he blocked it to the point I had the ball. I'm going to get a layup. I have the ball. I'm going to get a layup. You can go back and look at the um, the scoring on ESPN, the play-by-play. They called it a goal 10. I can remember paint being upset in film. We replayed it like 20 times. I can remember the ref, whoever the ref was, made the mistake, called in and said he made a mistake. What do so, you mean he called in? He called in to paint? Oh, yeah, he told Paint. Her. By the way, I don't call him Paint. Oh, yeah, and Ward, yeah, I don't want you calling yeah. him Paint either. He's not our coach. We don't call him by his nickname. He's Matt I call him Painter. Uncle. <laughs> Uncle Paint. But, yeah, I remember um, that was that call. We get that layup, we win the game. But if you go, I want you to go back watch the last minute. Uh, it was a low-scoring game. We should have won that game. Indiana went on to win the Big Ten, I think, or something like that. Yeah, that's had, right. Sweet was, that's why I always say, I always say this, that it's not the best team that normally wins the league. It's the best schedule. If you go back and look at schedules to that I year, that schedule completely. was lightweight. Look, yeah. no, I lightweight. agree. I, I, I'm wondering, it, did Unky P learn from Coach Katie to blame the refs when you lost IU? Was that yeah. something he passed oh, down? Oh, no, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't blame the ref. That wasn't because we didn't talk about it in the locker room. We didn't talk about it after the game. No one really – we were watching film. I think we, I want to say it's one of those days we watched the whole game or something. But his thing were paint. He replayed it once, and then he replayed it again. And he was like, wait. And then he just kept <laughs> he kept replaying it. And then he slowed it down, and it was a good block. We go off to the races. We scored that layup. But, no, right they now, were bro. good. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> All right. So now let's fast forward to That's where fine. we're at tonight. We're already taking up a lot of your time, and I know it's late where you are, and I really appreciate you, you giving us your time. What do you see in this Indiana team? There is – this is one of the most polarizing Indiana teams that I remember following because obviously they got some wins. You know, uh, we haven't really beat anybody good yet. Uh, most fans now are very negative on the team and the outlook of the team. I think most fans do not believe we're going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, what do you see in this Indiana team and this kind of era of Indiana basketball? Um, this team, I consistently inconsistent, especially from the perimeter. I think you know what you're going to get with Khalil Ware. I mean, he's been big time all season playing at an all-conference level. I mean, you could you could make an argument from Malik Renew to be one of the best five, seven guys in the league, especially one of the better big men in the league. So, like, down low, productive. I mean, they had 33 and 20 against Minnesota, as a, like, as a front court. So, like, you got those two guys. They do their job, but, like, I think Mackenzie Mbako has grown throughout the year. I think it was tough on him early. He had to learn how to play hard, and that was tough on him because he would make much. And Woodson, I love what Woodson did because he wasn't – it wasn't a discussion. Like, you're either going to learn how to play hard and play defense or you're not going to play. And I think when Gabe Cups, it was early on, but Gabe Cups took his minutes down the stretch, and that woke him up. I think Mackenzie is getting better. He's playing a lot harder. He's trying to defend better. He's trying to be more alert off the ball. And he's rebounding better. So I think um, freshmen are always consistently inconsistent. I mean, freshmen, you can't – you just – I know coming into this year, I, I kept telling – I kept saying you just can't depend on McKenzie to be the guy every game. You just right. – it's hard for 
Like, D'Angelo Russell was that guy for Ohio State when I played, but he's number two pick in the draft. So it's like, even you look at Jalen Hushafino, it took him to about mid-December, yeah, January, kind of. There's only one Carmelo Anthony. I mean, like, it's yeah, right. Like, it's a, what's yeah, your take on like, Xavier? Just, just real quick, I feel like, I mean, Jalen really turned that corner when it, he went into Mackey and scored 35 on Exactly. Eagles. That's exactly. when he really arrived. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Okay. Yeah, that was, I was at that game. Of course, I standing right there. I was, that was a show. I had never seen a – that was crazy. Coming off the same play. It was the same play. Get to the – Get to the ball screen, mid-range jumper. But Xavier Johnson, I think what happened, I think Xavier Johnson, I like Xavier Johnson a bunch. Like, as a person, I talk to him. We communicate. I talk to him a bunch this offseason. Xavier Johnson is a good dude. Like, I like Xavier Johnson as a person. As a player, he's older. So, the, the mistake he had on the road, you can't do that. Especially coming back from an injury, you just can't do that. And you look at the plus-minus to get that Rutgers game, he's plus-one. Everybody else is in the negative. When he stays on the floor, even though he was turning it over, he has a presence for Indiana. He can't make those mistakes. He's got to be a guy that they can depend on to not turn the basketball over, make open shot, and just get guys in the offense. I think sometimes he can overdo it and just from, from thinking too much. But I think um, when he's good, it makes Indiana a better team. But, again, he's not necessarily a guy that you're going to say, get me 16 points a game. Right. Like, you need guys on a roster. And McKenzie's a guy, but McKenzie played more power forward growing up. But you need guards that – I always kind of say, you need a guard that when he was 10 years old, he was getting 30. Like a James Blackman. Like you need a guy that when he was young, he was a bucket. So, like, he, he dig deep, he's a bucket. Like Trey Galloway, really good player. Really, really good play hard player. Locks up. I love Trey Galloway. His game against Minnesota – Although he didn't score it big, I thought he was perfect. Ten I points. thought he was the best player on the court that game. Me too. Seven assists, zero turnovers. He, defensively, he took Elijah Hawkins out of the game. He had four steals. That's who he is. I think when Indiana, or just fans in general, because players see it. Like, I'm not going to lie. I see when I was being tweeted when I was playing. So, like, players see what we're saying. And it's a thing where – at some point in your career, you are who you are. I'm not, maybe I do get 30 in it. I get a Michigan State game. I hit six threes in the half or whatever. But that's an outlier. So, like, you got to expect Trey Galloway to be who he is and then let him excel in his role and then appreciate these types of games so he does it more. And But I think for Indiana, like, I think this year, if they take care of home, they got an unbelievable home court advantage. If they got they got to win the games on a road that they're supposed to win, and that sounds crazy, but in those games that they're supposed to have when it's close, they got to dig deep because going to Rutgers, you can't. It makes no sense to have 18 turnovers at Rutgers, get smacked on the glass, and then come home against a more physical team. Take care of the basketball. You compete on the glass. You get to the free throw line. You look like a whole different team. Like at some point in your season, you got to get tired of your coach cussing you out of practice for you to have a good game. You got to just be consistent. I do think the bench has got to produce. Like, they've got to give something. I think the bench is better, more suited to get out in transition. I think Indiana's got to steal points in transition. The bench has got to find a way to steal some baskets. But Mm -hmm. I think they got enough. I do think they have enough to compete in the Big Ten. But to make the tournament, they're going to have to win a big one, like you said, but then take care of home for sure but how do you just to take uh, a, a step back to x and put a, a button on that if you will how does x who is 
a super senior in every sense of the word. <laughs> How does he make that transition from good X, bad X? The guy who can put uh, up 18 yeah. against Ohio State and then just kind of fall apart against Rutgers. At this point in his career, at this age and his development, what can he do in January to get himself where he needs to be to get oh. us to March? He got to watch film. He's got to take care of things off the court. I mean, how you play on the court is a reflection of how you live in off the court. Messi mm. paint used to say, messy locker, messy life. So like, Ooh, I mean, you're not going to have, so if you, if you, I don't know, I don't know what he has going on, but make sure that's good. Make sure class is good. I don't know if he's even still taking classes, being a six year guy, but yeah. then also he's on taking the floor, bowling. Just be simple. <laughs> be simple on the floor. Let the game come to him. But also, it's the thing where now he understands that healthy or not, Woodson will go Gabe Cups. Gabe yeah. Cups is a good player. Gabe Cups will guard the ball. He won't turn it over. He won't shoot ill advised shots. He he's a liability sometimes offensively because he won't shoot it, but he can go. He I watched Gabe Cups for a long time. He's not scared. He's just trying to do the right thing to stay on the floor. But like if you let the if you if once Gabe Cups feels like those leashes are off. There's no looking back for Xavier Johnson. So he's in a pivotal moment right now to where he's next. And he's going to play him against Purdue, obviously, especially that's such a big game. But if he doesn't turn that corner like you're mentioning, because it's not much that you're – it's not like we're going to tell him that he is who he is, six years. Like, he knows college basketball. He knows what he should be doing. But if he doesn't, now he knows that, oh, this freshman could take my spot. And just like it motivated McKenzie and Baco, that bench, that bench got us – it turned – I was the worst defender Purdue ever had. And that bench turned me into a defensive player of the year. It got, it got special powers. All right. Um, take off your Purdue ugly colored lenses <laughs> for a minute. So funny. You've spent a bunch of time in Bloomington because you've got family there. You've spent, obviously, a bunch of time in West Lafayette. Bloomington is clearly the better town, right? No, nah, man. My girlfriend actually went to IU for her freshman year, and then she uh, transferred, went to Purdue. It was a great decision by her. But um, at the time, my ex-girlfriend. But no, I think I think Bloomington's campus is bigger. I think I really enjoy Purdue's home field of the campus. Stop I think it. Purdue has like, it. a, it's a real good fit. I do like, I will give a shout out to Buffalo Louis. Buffalo, Buffalo Louis, Louis is a good Buffalo spot. Louis. But I wait, like, grade like the be- let's just talk beauty of the campus. If you're just talking oh, on man. beauty, rank Indiana, Bloomington, beauty of the campus, one to ten. Man, it was raining on grad- my brother's graduation. Yeah. I guess. It's always like dreary and like. What are you talking about? West Lafayette is uh, the armpit. Oh, of man, the it's room. always sunny. Sorry, Sunday was like, yeah, I would say West. So I, would, I would give, I would actually, I would give, I would give, I would give Bloomington like a six. And it's so you, spread apart. Is the, is the scale out of six? Purdue's a ten out of ten, probably oh, twelve. God, you ten out of ten, highly recommend. Yeah, Purdue right. is Purdue has a Indiana sports facilities. Are, they, especially when I went, was, it was they were a little outdated at that time. I, I, I know they kind of made right. and, We know yeah. you're a homer. You're just trying to placate the audience. <laughs> but by the same measure, keeping those uh, boiler colored glasses off your face, just objectively, straight up, give us the three things Indiana needs to do to make sure they beat Purdue. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I got you. Um, Xavier Johnson's got to play off a of, He's got to play and be effective. Xavier Johnson, the best way to guard Xavier, the best way to guard Zach Eady sometimes, well, one, they got a really good interior. And that's that's the first where you start. I mean, they're a good rebounding team. They're going to block shots. Khalil Ware, his length, he can't get in foul trouble. Malik Renew has got to dominate the four matchup. He can't get in foul trouble. But also outside of that, the best way to attack Zach Eady sometimes is to get him in space and make him guard a ball screen. If Xavier Johnson is able to come off that ball screen, make Zach Eady guard him, attack him a little bit, get him moving, that helps. But then also defensively, when I look at Trey Galloway, I look at Xavier Johnson, when coming into this season, I said they should have, they should be the best defensive backcourt in the Big Ten. And tomorrow is an example where they can really put their, their strength and their will on Purdue's guards. If you force Purdue's, if you make that post feed longer, so if you push Purdue's guards out to close to on the high school court, it'll be the volleyball line. Or if you push them near the bench and make that post feed, and you make them turn their back. So if they catch the ball and you're so into them that they turn their back a little bit, and they can't just – because Fletcher Lawyer, he'll catch the ball and just boom, right there. If you let that be easy, they're going to kill you. But if you you make that initial pressure of that post feed, you make that a tough post feed entry, that helps you. And then offensively, they can't get stagnant. They can't turn it over. They can't get blasted on the glass. They can't get stagnant and just start shooting a bunch of threes. Indiana's best when they're moving. They're driving the basketball. They're having a lot of fun sharing the basketball. But once it comes, a one-on-one show, that's going to be to Purdue's advantage for sure. If Tom but like Green, I said, this is one of those things where we're with a ranking. I don't – I'm not even looking at Purdue as the number one team in the country tomorrow because, like, Zach Eady could get two fouls in the first minute. And so it's the thing where, like, this is one of those games where I really feel everything goes out the window. Everybody's going to have their best game of the year for Indiana tomorrow because you're at home. You're still – I remember Sterling Carter. Sterling Carter played, like, 13 minutes a game for us. Our, my sophomore year, the year we talk about, my sophomore year, Sterling Carter had the game of his career and not – He's remembered for that game. It's like, yeah. this is one of those games. John Noctius was with Purdue for one year. Yeah, a great player in Indiana that baptized the Masters. He's a Purdue legend. This is one of those games where, like, C.J. Gunn, Caleb Banks, those dudes, they could be Hoosier legends. And I think all those dudes have a good game. If Tom Crean had shown up early on to your gym when you were playing and sent you the first letter and said, Rafael <laughs> Davis, I want you to be a Hoosier fulfilling your family's legacy since they're already at Bloomington. We'll, we'll expand the barbershop. Had Indiana offered you before Purdue, would you have gone to Indiana? Nah, I like Payne, man. Payne was good, dude. And Etuan Moore, Lewis Jackson, they were good. Like, oh, so you're, two, saying, you're saying it was about Tom Crean because he's a crazy person. No, Tom Crean. Actually, I'll tell you this is a story about Tom Crean. I had got to Georgia. I had, um, I, w- I moved to Georgia after I played ball, whatever. And Tom Crane was at Georgia, and I just reached out to him. I texted, said, "Hey, coach, I'm um, I live in the state now. I'm, I'm thinking about coaching high school basketball. I'm just checking in with you, see how everything is." Coach Crane sent me back probably two paragraphs. It was so long of a message, you have to click it, and then it shows you the full yeah. message. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, it was the. For someone you competed against for four years and had robbery against that you didn't, whatever, it was one of the nicest messages that I ever got. I screenshot, I still have. It. So like Tom Crane, for what everybody give him for like the, I don't, I don't. For certain guys, once I know you, once once I have a kind of a thing with you, Tom Crane was a good dude. Like he, the message he said, he may have been his done thing his own way, <laughs> which whatever. But 
that was a really nice message. He probably he might have deleted my number after that, but but no, he was a good dude. But I paint paint was one of those guys where early on you knew he would have this type of success. He's genuine. He's not. He never promised me I would be Etuan Moore. He never promised me I would even play at Purdue. He said, "You come here, you work hard." You get education, you graduate, get a degree, you have a good life. It wasn't even really about basketball. He would always say stuff like 90% of the NBA got to get a job when they're done playing. Or no one's – one thing that stuck with me, no one's going to care about your free throw percentage when you're 37. Like, stuff like that. Like, so it's like paint was always – just like my family was, always bigger than just basketball. That's, and that's why I named the organization that. But that's um, that's who Paint was. And that's it stuck to my. I didn't make that decision if I'm being wholehearted. We were halfway home from Purdue, and my father was like, "Take the phone. You got. You know, we committed. We committed. So it was. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. Well, look, man. I think that this conversation with you has shown us that smart, good people can make terrible decisions, <laughs> and clearly, you did. And oh, uh, that. That's uh, <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate this. This has been a lot of fun. I would love to do it again. Uh, it's oh, yeah. really been a blast. You're a good sport to put up with our bullshit. And I really appreciate <laughs> your perspective, too, and your insight. Like I said, I love listening to you and watching you on BTN. And I just think you have such a good feel being a player and, and a player in the modern era. You know, you, you have just such a good feel and a great personality and communicate it really well. Really love listening to you as much as it kills me with you wearing that bullshit on your chest. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. I think um, yeah, stuff like this is a lot of fun. And one last shout out to uh, my guy, Brian Bearman. Like I said, I know he listened. Yeah. Big IU guy. And then also, uh, like you mentioned, I appreciate one thing I appreciate you doing with mentioning our foundation. And on top of the basketball stuff that we do for Christmas, we fed 30 families meals for Christmas. Amazing. We got um. 10 families, toys, and gifts. We uh, fair families for Thanksgiving. I'm taking um, this is fun. I'm taking well, this past this past fall I took 30 boys to Purdue to a football game at the tour campus. I'm taking 10 boys to All-Star Weekend. So we do it, we do like I said, it's more um because a lot of kids they won't make their high school basketball team. They may not. Once you get the freshman year, if you don't make that team, you kind of get to decide which way you're gonna go. So we try to wrap our hands around the kids early because we have our freshman group right now. Because when we started it, they were sixth graders. And the cool story I'll leave you on is that one of the boys, we've been taking the boys since they were sixth grade up and down to different colleges. And we've taken this particular kid to Purdue a bunch. He's a freshman now. He signed up his electives to engineering. He had never heard about engineering until he started taking these trips. And now I saw him the other day. He's able to come back and work the camps. He used to be a player at. And he said, yeah, because he just dislocated his knee as well. And mm-hmm. so he learned that part of sports. And he told me to my face, I'm going to be an engineer. It'll be okay. I'm going, it's, it's going to work wow. out. This is perfect for me. So it's like, is that's there, real cool. Is there a how, can people, how can yeah. people find out more about the organization and, and to help out? Yeah, you can go to RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. Um, you could donate there, see what we do there. We just had a Christmas break camp. We had 70 kids, 50 kids come for free. 70 kids. We had um, 30 little girls, young ladies doing gymnastics on the side. Uh, we all, all of those girls were sponsored. It was it was big fun. So like I, like you guys said, for the kids that can't afford it, you can. We have scholarships that we raise money for, hit the pavement for. But also for kids that that can't afford it, but like basketball shouldn't be expensive. It's just the ball and the hoop. So like we our camp for Christmas was 30 bucks. So it's like a thing where 
we try to bridge gaps also that way we can have kids from the inner city and go on a camp with kids from the suburbs from the rural areas it's a it's like a melting pot it's been a it's, but that's been um i always say that's my real job and then big 10 network i do that on the side ray felt you've you've proven to us that boilers are people too okay appreciate that and the other thing i echo everything eric said and i really appreciate the insight on how the hoosiers can take down the boilers we're going to clip that segment out and send it to the assistant coaches down in bloomington thank you i appreciate you guys y'all have a good one that was a guest that was a guest i don't want to say it i don't want to say it i hate that i like them i'll say it i hate him he's an asshole <laughs> what a jerk what a dick you hear that brian you, you're you're not friends with very nice people <laughs> yeah shit man if that guy went to indiana he would be an all-time fan favorite yeah it's it's tough uh if there's anybody who doesn't want to mature it's me but i do think one thing of reaching solid middle age um you you do learn that boilers are people too and in this case when you actually suck it up and take time to get to know one you might begrudgingly respect them although he loses credibility when he says west lafayette is anywhere close to bloomington i mean just lose all credibility yeah I mean, clearly it, he's brainwashed or lying no one of the I, two things he just he's got to say that or he can't go back to west lafayette and he'll he'll get a bunch of shit. he'll get a bunch of shit. so he was lying but i understand why it it is the good kind of lie in terms of his quality of life and what he's going to have to deal with when he goes we, back there we have to find the purdue boilermaker who is willing to say you're right the place is the asshole of the world. We've <laughs> got to find that person. And that person we need to welcome into our families and take care of and bestow on that person riches and wealth, like the likes of which the world has never seen. That was super fun. Um, what would be more fun is to just beat the holy hell out of Purdue. I hope that's what happens tonight. Um, it would sure make for a really good time the next time we talk about Indiana basketball. And it really, you talk about the extremes of the fan base. We beat Purdue tonight. And all of a sudden, we are final four bout. No doubt about it. So what should we do, Ward? Um, we should probably tell people where to find us. Go ahead. On Twitter. Um, our handle is at Hoosier Hysterics. No I, no E, but the sometimes Y. Um, so no vowel in the history. You're not doing it anymore. You're not doing it anymore. <laughs> I sandbag it. I don't want to do it. No, you're not. You're done. You're done. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.